on this episode of the Star Wars Time Show! Matt and Nick will kick things off with some pop culture talk, including their thoughts on the penultimate episode of Rings of Power and what's worth watching elsewhere. After Rings time, the dudes will move into their deep dive breakdown and review of Andor Episode 5, The Axe Forgets. So make sure to stick around to find out what you may have missed and why episodes like this aren't filler. After they go casa-ing, the boys will then kick around a resurfaced rumor about who is playing live-action Thrawn. Hint, you've heard him before. Literally. Of course, the show will end with the question of the week responses and the latest round of Top 5 Star Wars Fan Artist Features. Punch it, Chewie. everybody if you're on the live stream close your eyes you're being blinded right now because you have two bald men without hats on and mine in particular is really playing a great reflector for my overhead light right now so hold on (laughs) let me take a break here and, and strap on my trusty swt hat which we still have in stock if you have a small head, by the way. Check it out, StarWarsTime.net. <laughs> but hello. Hello there. Welcome, everybody. We're here. We're going to talk some Rings of Power. It's going to be super short because I just learned Nick hasn't seen the penultimate S, uh, episode yet. So if you're someone that has tuned out of the Star Wars Time show over the past few weeks as we've talked a little Tolkien, you're in luck. We're not going to talk... A lot, Tolkien, today. Just just a little bit. I'll kind of give Nick some notes, some things to really focus in on when he does get to the penultimate episode of Rings of Power. Uh, but we're not going to have kind of our little mini deep dive, if that even makes sense. I don't know. You can't really have a mini deep dive, but we do. You know what I mean? A mini deep We do all sorts of yeah, shit we on do the that. Star Wars we... Time show that is not <laughs> considered on the up and up. So, hey, welcome back, everyone. You're right, it is Andor Eve. That's how we roll. We uh, break down the last week's show before the new show comes out. So if you're lucky enough to catch our live stream, which is 2.30p East on YouTube every Tuesday, you'll be in the know. And if you can't do that, this idiot right here, yes, me, Matt, the lead idiot, I always break down the episodes day of, probably before you even watch it. So you you can always dive in and kind of get a sneak peek at what the Star Wars Time Show crew has thought about Andor in between our live streams and podcast drops. But fear not, we're here. We are talking a little rings. I'm going to talk a little Lyle Lyle the fucking crocodile, whether you like it or not, Nick. And then we'll move into our Andor breakdown. We got some Thrawn news and, of course, our fan segment. And uh, depending on time today, maybe we'll we'll even do a little Matt Mando gate. You never know on the Star Wars time show. That's just how we roll, right? Obi-Wan Kenobi. (sighs) All right, my friend. Well, you know, I I, I did plan to kind of go into a a very nerdy Tolkien deep dive into Rings of Power Episode 7. Uh, but since you haven't seen it yet, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to spoil it for you. Uh, but kind of like how I was slacking to you after I checked in with it this this weekend. And I did have to watch it twice. I have not learned my lesson. 
Uh, I, for some reason, I always <laughs> think it's a good idea to start Rings of Power after I've had, you know, two or three beers, winding down for the night, laying on the couch with the wife. She starts rubbing my, my head, my big head, not the little one. And I, I tend to doze in and out. You know how it is. You know, when your lady or whoever you love is, is caressing you like a baby, sometimes it's hard to stay awake. And that's, that's kind of that's <laughs> my situation every week when I go to, to sit down and watch Rings of Power. But I, but I did scope it out twice to make sure I got all the nuances. And while I found it be, to be an odd episode for the main plot through lines, if that is even a thing in Rings of Power, as Nick and I discussed uh Rings of Power for us Tolkien nerds is a treat because, you know, we, we, we kind of have yeah. an idea of the big picture. We've at least I I've come to the realization like, OK, the, the canon changes they're making for the series, whatever they work, the condensed timeline, Ellen Deal and Isildur hanging out this early in, in the in the second age. None of that really happened. But who cares? But what Nick and I also talked about, and I think he would still agree, is that. I think where the show suffers is for the casual audience, the, the more just people that are into high fantasy or, or maybe watch Peter Jackson's movies, uh, well, hell, a, a, a decade ago at this point in time, and just wanted to pop in and be like, ooh, you know, I liked what this guy did with those hairy, small people with big feet, and let me, let me, let me check this out. Yeah. It, it, apparently, it's a prequel, right? It's all related. And... <laughs> what I'm finding, and, and I think Nick will ag- agree, because I think he's the one that actually said it, is that for, for these type of people, I, I understand why they probably aren't loving Rings of Power, because there truly is no main plot. <laughs> I mean, it's not. And yeah. after last week, Nick, we <laughs> thought like, okay, we're, we're getting somewhere. You know, we, we lit Mount Doom, fucking Mordor is being created right in front of our faces, an awesome fan moment. We're, we're headed towards something. And then the penultimate drops and it goes back to kind of episodes one through five where it's just more exposition and and characters talking to each other and (laughs) nothing fucking happens. Um, There's I I told Nick and again, I'm not going into to spoilers, but there's two fan service moments in this episode that they're they're cool. I'm not going to lie. They're cool as fuck, but they're 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 made so obvious that it it, it kind of <laughs> takes away from the aha moment, you know, like like I thought it was neat last week when we were, when I watched that episode and and you saw the the orcs machinations and all the tunnels they dug and and really what that was for, it was to light Mount Doom and to yep. black out the sky the sky to create the Shadowlands so orcs could live freely and not be worried essentially about being vampires. Okay, you know they they couldn't be under the sun because it would fuck them up. That was cool. These fan moments, it, it's, dude, it's, it's, it's almost like they're, hey, you Lord of the Rings fans, here you go. Here's a little treat. Remember, remember this? Remember that? Remember that little <laughs> anecdote you heard? Well, well, here it is. And okay, nothing else happened. So it's, it is odd. We have one episode left, Nick, and I just, in the end, outside of presenting a great looking take on Tolkien's world and having some cool new characters and obviously all those fan moments. I don't really know after episode eight, if we're going to be able to say that there was a, a cohesive plot arc for season one. Like I just don't know where it's going to end and it's ending this week. So that's my concern. I know we're getting a season two, but it does feel at this point in time, Nick, and you know, next week after you, hopefully you do a double banger. 
it seems like season one has been is nothing but pure setup for bigger events to follow in season two. I, I just don't see how we yeah. we haven't. I mean, the show's called Rings of Power. There is absolutely no fucking chance they're even mm-hmm. introduced in season one at this Close point. Close to uh, Sauron yeah. has been teased as like, is he the main plot point or is the main plot point? The Southlands is the main plot point. Galadriel figuring her shit out. I don't know. But even the Sauron angle. Yeah. After the penultimate, you're going, eh, well, maybe he's the cliffhanger and then we just wait to season two. But so, so, yeah. uh, hey, listen, I, I'm not being a hater. I just, I think the show, and I, I can see why it's struggling, and it's because the casual people, there's really nothing week to week to keep them coming back. Like, okay, it doesn't build upon a plot arc. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think that this was something that we kind of talked about early in the run for rings of power was that this is a story in the second age that happens over thousands of yeah. years, like thousands of years in, in Tolkien's writings so much so that like what he has written about the second age is, is generally kind of like piecemeal stories that you kind of have to put together yourself to get like a full view of like, not even a full view, just like a view of what happened during the age. And like, Putting that together into like a cohesive plotline story that you that you can try to tell over a condensed period of time is is difficult. So I think that that's like what's showing now yeah. is that like you essentially have so much time to cover, but you have to make that time shorter in in doing so. But like but while you do that, you also have to like make it seem like there is time that's passing and that things aren't happening too quickly because like realistically we probably could have started this season a little bit closer to like a little bit closer to when the rings yeah, were actually I, being I agree. Forged. I agree. Cause r- so, real quick before you keep going yeah. on, cause it's great analysis here, but the other thing, Nick is, you know, we, we've been saying, Oh, this is kind of based on the Silmarillion. It, with that being said, the Silmarillion itself doesn't really have an overarching plot. It's just it doesn't. It's all no. over the place. Like, yeah, the the, the Silmarils are a main component, but it, it tells upwards of what would you say, 15, 20 different stories to a, oh, as God, as yeah. it weaves in between who got this gem, who got that gem, and what led yeah, to this and kingdom it's, it's, fall and what led to that kingdom fall. And so th- this And it's not even like the Silmarillion is also like you're you're going back way all over the place. Like you're going back in the first age. Create, the I mean, dude, you, you're in the second you age. You start you're going yeah. with Ilavutar or whatever the fuck his name was at the beginning. Aya, I mean, he changes yeah. names or she changes names or it changes names. But it, it literally starts with the creation of the the yeah. universe, and then the creation of the the gods and the demigods and all that, and then the creation of the the children, which would be the elves, and then men. And uh, you know, this episode, yep. this isn't a spoiler for someone like Nick or really anyone. I'd love, I mean, slight spoiler, Nick. They they return to Moria, so you get some dwarf action. Yeah. Um, yeah. But but they give yeah. a great anecdote on. Um, uh, King Durin gives the anecdote on like, listen, the elves are the children of the gods. Who who are we to kind of affect the gods' plans for their own kids? Like, we weren't made from the gods. We were made from Ale. Like that, the dwarves are yeah. one of the only races on Middle Earth that did not come from Iluvatar. 
uh, directly. From yeah, I mean, it, it, he, yeah. they were created from his demigod Ale, who was essentially the champion of of Sauron, uh, because he's the you know the smith, the the god of the smith. It makes sense. He 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 likes building shit, so he creates his people out of stone. They become the dwarves, and, and there we go. But yeah, so I, I don't know, man. It's I, Black Series Clips is right. We need an hour and a half, two hour finale, I believe. For them to at least make me feel like, okay, season one wasn't just a a, a lore fest in and in a visual splendor for hardcore Tolkien fans. I do want it to end feeling like, okay, we watched this season for this reason, and now we're going to get some more payoff in, in season two. And I, I just don't see that after episode seven. Yeah. So, Yeah, I think that the overarching plot narrative has definitely been... A problem. Um, I've enjoyed the show purely because of like the fact that I am a hardcore Tolkien fan. I think that the acting has been very strong. Yeah. I think that the character portrayals have been good. And just like the 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 look, the visual, like you said, the visual aspect of the world itself is great. The closest thing, and and you kind of hit on it, the closest thing that we've had thus far in terms of a through line for season one has definitely been like the Southlands and thus the creation of Mordor. And that's, but that's done at this point. Like that's, that's, yeah, it's like, that's happened. It it's finished now. And the problem was, is like, you didn't actually like do like, they didn't do a great job of like telling you like, Hey, this is where we're, this is like the story of season one is like how Mordor is created and how the people of the South were kind of like conflicted after being on the side of Morgoth in the, in the first age. And now, you know, seeing the specter of Sauron starting to rise, where do their allegiances lie? They didn't do a great job of like actually pulling that into a cohesive plot narrative. But now that you look back on it and you know who all the players are, like it, it does make more sense because you had the whole situation with Halbrand and Galadriel being saved by the Numenorians yeah. going back to Numenor. And then essentially like the whole f- plot through line was to try to like reinstall him as the rightful King of the Southlands and hopefully make an ally from uh, of him on the eventual return. Yeah. Uh, no, you're, of, of Sauron. You're right. And they accomplished that in, in episode six. So I was expecting, yeah. okay, now let's, let's get back to the, all the other pokers you had in the fire, but no, yeah. hold on. We got a special guest here. You want to dip in there? She is. Look at her. Look at her. (laughs) She loves it. (laughs) Do you have a good day? Yeah. All right. Well, it's good to see you. All right. Love you. Okay. Uh, I did the cats for you, so you just got to do homework, all right? There you go. Hey, get a little little inside here, a little inside (laughs) my personal life sometimes. It's okay. But... Um, in the end, Nick, I, I think the put the point you just brought up is is something to uh, to to take note of because I I do believe season one upon a rewatch is going to be way better than watching it week to week. Uh, yeah. when, when when you watch it knowing kind of where everything is leading, that's going to help. Now I don't I don't think that's a sign of a well written or structured show. Uh, but in the end, it, it, it I, I do think season one, after we see everything happens, if you go back and watch some of the earlier episodes, as Nick said, you will see like, okay, there's a setup there. There's some setup there. There's some setup there. But it's just, I don't know. I mean, calling the show Rings of Power, dangling Sauron over our heads, I, I just felt like maybe 
those would have been the bigger focus versus the the elves are dying thread, the, the Galadriel is is lost amongst her people thread, the Howbrand thread, the Stranger thread. I mean, there's there's yeah. like six or seven things going on, and nothing really felt like we yeah. were coming to a a point of confluence where where things were kind of coming together. But who knows? We got one episode to go. We can't judge. In the end, I'm still glad it happened, and I'm happy there's a second season. In fact, I hope Bezos keeps pissing money into this thing, because as I said at the beginning, being a Tolkien dork, this show's perfect, okay? Yeah. I, I don't... In the end, if, if there is no fucking through-line plot, oh well. I'm getting to see stuff I read about nearly 20 years ago, and as someone who on this show has said a million times over, I love lore and going back and exploring it to kind of reinforce and learn more about stuff I've already seen, I think Rings of Power succeeds there. But for the casual viewers, the ones that may ultimately decide its fate, I'm, I'm a little worried about its yeah. its future beyond two seasons. Yeah, I think that that's, that's the hardest thing to do with this series because it's it's even more dense than something like star wars because you you can't oh, a million this, times over dude yeah. a million times yeah. over it's i am close you you can't make this show and essentially like not pay attention to the tolkien fans because if you do then the show itself will die immediately well, you you also, I mean, you we, we were kicking that story around that the Tolkien estate when when the license was being decided for this, uh, I mean, they they were rejecting ideas being pitched from other studios or other networks or other streamers like, hey, you know, let's take the MCU approach. We'll have an Aragorn show, a Gladriel show, and the Tolkien estate's like, fuck you. I mean, they they are yeah. guarded of the license. Yeah, and they uh, also like, I think the the big thing that came down to like why Amazon got it and nobody else because HBO was bidding, Netflix was bidding, right. all of these like big streamers. They, Amazon essentially greased the Tolkien's and they're like, hey, you, you guys have some creative control skills. Yeah, so, and, exactly. and by the way, here's here's two billion dollars. Shut the fuck up. Yeah, <laughs> so, <laughs> you know what I, I mean. mean? I, that that was the big one though. It's like them having creative control, and then but you can see how that's playing out now because I guarantee you it was the Tolkien estate that was like we need to start it further back. What would have made more sense in terms of like a quick, like a a more cohesive narrative through line would have been to start the show. Probably episode three should have been when the Southlands. Battle went down, the explosion yeah. of Mordor. Yeah, move, move it up a little bit. You, you move that up a little bit. Then that get, like you would have still had two plus hours of time to like get the story of Hallbrand out, understand where he is in terms of lineage and line and stuff like that. And then you start your action a little bit sooner. That would have accelerated the movement towards the actual forging of the Rings of Power. And you probably could have ended season one on episode eight, six hours ish later, right around when either, you know, right or like you would have been able to introduce Sauron and then you would have probably been able to like start the forging of the rings by the end of season one if you would have pushed stuff up that way. But they did want to spend a lot of time, the Tolkien estate, it seems, wanted to spend a lot of time like setting the players on the field. And that includes yeah. the Harfoots, that includes. The elves and the in the dwarves and everybody they wanted to establish like storylines for all of the people before they really got into the meat of what happens in the second age, 
And I don't think that other streamers would have done that. Like, I think if, if you wouldn't have had the Tolkien estate having some level of creative control, they definitely would have accelerated the timeline a lot, which probably would have been better for the casual fans, but it probably also would have been like a, you know, a sticking point for some of the hardcore fans, especially if you didn't get stuff like the potential blue wizards and stuff like that. So it's, it's, Something like this is definitely a delicate balance. And yeah, I mean, hell, the, the poster we're looking at on the live stream, its tagline literally says the journey begins. And that's been no shit with this season. I mean, it truly is the beginning of the journey. We're we're not even close. Like I said, we're not even probably going to see rings before the end of season one. And that's I, I, the name yeah. of the fucking show. Yeah. So <laughs> I don't know. I, I, uh, Trevor's making some good points here in the chat. I'm not going to... St- talk on one because it's a spoiler for Nick, but it was like I said, Nick, the, the fan service moments, it's almost, they go here. Look, do you <laughs> see this is fan service? And you're going, yeah, no shit. Anyone could have figured this out, but they, they at one part, they, they literally write stuff on the screen. Like, Hey, this is blah, blah, blah. And you're going, wow. <laughs> yeah. No, no shit. Uh, his other point though, I, I will agree with, and, you know, I'll probably get yelled at when we start talking about Andor, but this series in my mind has suffered from a lack of action sequences. And that yeah. is something a lot of fans, knowing Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit and even the books, came into, I think, expecting. Because Tolkien, <laughs> for as, as, as in-depth and as intellectual as his writing was, he always had his characters getting mixed up in some... some hijinks some action and and trevor makes a great point you know there's that episode nick where some of the dwarves get caught or or get stuck trapped they're gonna die you know during the fours freaking out instead of showing us like the rescue mission which would have added some action to that episode everything happened off screen miller time we rescued a dwarf so I, i will agree i do think and we know they can kill it. Like yeah. the, the, the the Southlands battle that ended in the formation of Mount Doom, that was fucking kick-ass. The whole episode, as we said last week, was a mini Helm's Deep. Yeah. So they can do it. They can do it well. But really, outside of episode six, there's been mostly nothing here yeah. in terms of, of action. So I, I, I will agree with that. Now, I will not agree with people that are like, Andor doesn't have enough action. We'll get into that here in a little bit. They're two different two different things. So, I don't know, we'll see next week. So hopefully Nick gets to check out both episodes and we can have a a big brain dump Mm -hmm. uh, on the show next Tuesday before we break down Andor Episode 6. But before Andor Episode 5, real quick, getting some good feedback from you chatters in here. Um, Yeah, House of Dragons, Nick doesn't watch, so I'm not going to go into it, but I'm on it. I fucking love it. Like, the the show is, it's what I need. I, I Last night, I, wa- I watch it on Mondays. I find myself going right to my phone and, and slapping my hand away because I want to look at what is going to happen because obviously it's all established. But the, the, the drama, though, weaving house, Targaryens, uh, the, the blacks, the greens, fucking love it. But real quick, before we get into Andor, for those of you that got little ones and you may need to find something to do with them this weekend or next weekend, um, I took my little one and her friend to go see Lyle Lyle Crocodile. Yes, go ahead and laugh. Go ahead and point fingers at me and call me a loser. It's okay, because I, I was like, when I looked at the trailer before I agreed to take him, I was going, oh boy. I hope I can fall asleep. Like, I, I hope they just, I'll get him some, I'll get him some ices, I'll get him a big-ass bucket of popcorn, and then I'll probably just, you know, tip my hat over my eyes and, and take a two-hour nap. 
but I was surprised to find that <laughs> Lyle Lyle Crocodile is like a kid's version of the greatest showman. Uh, so I was I was laughing. I was wanting to dance. I was singing. I was crying. It's it's a fucking killer show. So it's a great kids movie. It's got that musical feel to it. Good stories. Good messages for the little ones. So. I fell on that grenade for everyone, and I was happy to do it. So if you got some little ones you got to get out there, have at it. Kingdom Weird commenting on She-Hulk. I, too, love that show. I, I, actually, I It's one of my favorite MCU shows. I, I catch I, up I, on I that, love, too. Uh, what's her name? Because I also love is, that is it, I think the lead's name is, is Tatiana. She kicks fucking ass. I love the way they write it. I love how they break the fourth wall and essentially call trolls out left and right. So, yeah, I, I am a fan of that as well. But what I am the biggest fan of, Nick, and that is Star Wars, right? This is the Star Wars time show after all. There's always time for Star Wars time. So let's, uh, let's get into it. Andor Episode 5. I'm trying to, uh, I'm trying to balance in between the, the chat and my own brain here, and it's not working today, so I probably should just focus on my own brain. All right, so Andor Season 1, Episode 5, The Axe Forgets. And, you know, I, 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 before we get into this, I, I just want to remind everyone that pump the brakes, okay? I mean, literally in my speculation for the episode five plot, I, I nailed it. I fucking mm-hmm. nailed it. You diehards know that. That's why you come here. You get those types of takes that almost always hit. I told, I was like, listen, Tony has been telling us for a year now. I made these motherfuckers in three episode arcs. What does three equal? A trilogy. What do we know about trilogies? The middle is tough because the middle, it, there's really never any true resolution to, to the plot that begins in the first movie. The middle always has that challenge of bridging the first movie to the final act and telling and carrying that plot all the way through. So everyone needs to be prepared for Andor every three episodes the middle one may be a little more dialogue heavy, a little less action-y than episodes one or three. All right. I, I told you, I told everyone, like, listen, we, we're probably not even going to get to the mission. We're probably going to get right up to it. We're going to learn about the people. And, and here we go. That's what we got. So I, since I'm yabbing right now, I'll just go into my review. I, I still continue to thoroughly enjoy Andor. Uh, at this point, it, it's clearly the best written Star Wars series to date. If you're, you can handle dialogue heavy Star Wars, if you're someone that just wants to pew pews <laughs> and the it's probably not going to do anything for you. But I, I don't know. I don't I don't really I always go back to what Star Wars was to me. And if you look at the original trilogy, let's be honest with ourselves. Where's the the hardcore action in the OT? Honestly, like, l- let's be real. There's some great action moments that we can point to. My favorite scene in all of Star Wars and movie, Return of the Jedi, is the action scene in quotes between father and son on the Death Star. But I've, me personally, all right, I'm not talking for the rest of you motherfuckers. I've never been a Star Wars fan because of laser guns and laser swords. It's always been... The, 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 the mythical type of lore, the fantastical type of lore, the Skywalkers, the, 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 the idea of the Force, the Jedi, the Dark Side, all that shit. That, that's, that's me, okay? 
So I don't mind a show like Andor that is written more like a thriller where we are getting these, like I said, expertly written dialogue moments that to some who are just wanting shooting, it may go over your head like what is being done here. All right, we are getting some fantastic Star Wars dialogue delivered that not only fleshes out our boy Cassian, but all these new rebels we're meeting, all these new characters we're meeting that are playing a major role in the soon-to-be Rebel Alliance, you know, four and a half years from now. And someone that's a dork and loves the lore and likes to see how people become who they are, in this case, Cassian, I appreciate an episode like this where you get to see like the, the, the Aldhani crew not trusting him and him realizing that and then him making the decision to out himself to try and gain their trust or at least let them know who he is and why he's there. You also got to learn about Nemec and how he approaches the rebellion, Skeen and how he is motivated for the rebellion, Sinta, Vel, Tamarin. We, we know all these people are going to be fucking cannon fodder but the fact that Gilroy and Gilroy and Gilroy, literally there's three Gilroys involved in this three episode arc of Andor. They are, they're, they're giving us a reason to care for the characters, but also by seeing Cassian form these bonds, we're, we're seeing him become or start to become one day will become that ice cold assassin shooting motherfucking tipsters on, on planets and eventually sacrificing himself in a love hug on the beach of, of Scarif. So uh, I, I, I just, I am a fan of the moments, Nick. I am a fan of the scenes. I loved all the Mothma moments. You really get to see just how contrasting her home life is to who she is on the galactic scale. I think that stuff is brilliant. So I'm, I'm all for episodes like this. I will agree that it, it, it might have felt a little slower, but never will I call. I mean, y- you all know my stance on using the term filler for Star Wars. I, I, I don't think that exists. It doesn't fly. I mean, f- you know what filler content is, everyone? Let's have a little less. Filler content would be them scrolling the Andor logo and then us just watching cereal eat fucking cereal all for 30 minutes straight. Okay? That that would be filler. When we are actually progressing plots, getting closer to missions, learning more about characters, learning more about the galaxy, that's not filler, in my opinion. You know what I mean? So I, I kind of like as Kingdom of Weird is saying here, I, I like having my tits tickled a little bit before the payoff. Uh, I'm expecting tomorrow's episode or when you're listening to this episode six to be an absolute tense banger because we know we're going to get to see the outcome of the Aldhani mission, which is already fucked. I mean, we we learned in episode five that they don't even know how to fly this thing. They don't they don't know how to account for all the the, the coin they're going to throw on this freighter. They have no fucking clue. I mean, they're they're just kind of. Like, hey, we'll, we'll try it out. And that's where Cassian's like, no, 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 I'm, I'm going to pilot then because you assholes don't know anything. So, hey, in the end, I, I enjoyed it, but I, I kind of, I know what we're getting into with Andor. And you, sh- you all should know too. Tony told us, and we vomited that back up to you all. Three episode blocks. They're going to tell a tale. We're now going to get the conclusion of what we saw more set up for in episode five. So I'm, I'm here for it. Can't wait to get up tomorrow and make content for two people to see. 
Nick, what, what, what say you uh, about episode I thought it was five? fine. I did find myself zoning out a little bit because it was a, a bit of a slower episode. I think that um, one thing I mentioned to you in the, in like our pre pre game was that I do feel like they, they spent a, you know, one scene too many on Cyril just talking to his mom. Like I, I understand the purpose of that it to like essentially show that like this kid is somebody who the only thing in his life right now is finding this, this Andor guy, this Cassian Andor guy that, that caused all this trouble on Ferrix and to show that, that he doesn't really have any, like, I think they were probably a little bit too on the nose with like his mom literally just saying to him over and over again, you have no future prospects. You have no future prospects when like you could have done that in a way that was a little bit more like conversationally focused and not just her saying what like everybody like saying the point that you're trying to get across. Um, so like that, that, that stuff was a little bit like probably one scene too many of, of that. I, I'll tell you what, though, Nick, and, and I don't know if your mom's this way, but I, I catch this from my mom sometimes. And hopefully <laughs> she's not listening. Don't take it personally, mother. But I, I just I feel sometimes moms excel at being passive aggressive. And, and, and that's what I got in this scene. Like, you know, she clearly loves her son, but she thinks he's a failure loser. And, and anytime she talks to him, she's essentially nudging him, nudging him nudging him nudging him so but you are right i mean the this the, i i do think the gilroy spent a bit too much yeah. time on cereal i would say We're like it's eating especially cereal. in that we, circumstance like if we would have gone back like we had the scene the first one the mom pours the cereal and she's just kind of talking at him but then we go back to the to essentially a scene that is exactly the same like he's still sitting at the table still eating the same cereal and the mom's still just saying the same bullshit to him. <laughs> my mom isn't like that. Like my right. mom is not very like, you know, my mom barely like, you know, a lot of people's moms are like, if you don't call them once a week, they lose their fucking mind. And like my mom's like, oh yeah, like, you know, she'll call me every now and then I'll call her every now and then whenever we go into town, we, we get together, we have a good time. Yeah, see, like, I'm, I'm a shithead son. But this is this is me as a human. Like I'm just, I'm no good. Like if you're, if you're my friend or if you are related to me, the only way you're going to talk to me is if you call or text. Okay. I'm a shit. I'm a fucking shithead. What do you want me to say? I'm selfish. I'm a narcissist. I understand all this stuff. And one day I, I guess I should work on it. But uh, yeah, my mom and I don't talk nearly enough, but there are moments, you know, I, I just feel sometimes there's some um, passive aggressiveness. And I, I think moms kind yeah. of I- I excel at that. But you, you're not wrong with the, with the Carnes, uh, and, and hopefully we, we move yeah. beyond the apartment and, in episode six, because because clearly we're, we're sticking with this guy because he's got a hard on for Cassian, who he now blames for ruining his career. And we know who else has a hard on. She doesn't know it's Cassian yeah. yet, but but Miro. And like I said last week, Cyril and Miro are destined to team yeah. up. So just keep your eyes um, open. Other than that, I thought that the the character interactions on Aldani were, were pretty uh, good. They showed... I mean, they did a good job of showing like what would essentially happen in any situation where you have like a big, a big operation going down and some like essentially a wrench gets thrown in and the wrench is Cassian. Like, you know, people are uncomfortable. People are on edge. People are starting to to crack. Skeen, yeah. Skeen worries me, man. Skeen, I, 
I, I, I think I, I brought this up in our Discord. And if you want to join our Discord, it's open. You can grab the link from our Instagram account at Star Wars Time Show. But I, I think I was chatting with Bat in there. Skeen's going to fuck something up, right? He's either going to fuck something up on purpose to screw Cassian or he's going to be one of the big fuck ups. I, I think week. so. Agree yeah, I think that, that Skeen is probably going to do something to really fuck this mission up. And the the good thing is, is that we don't know if this mission actually goes off and, you know, like is successful or if it's not going to be successful. Like we don't have any reason to believe one way or the other. Like usually we can go and be like, oh yeah, I'm pretty confident that they'll pull this off or not. This one completely up in the air. Um, but yeah, Skeen is definitely at this point a liability, um, especially when it comes to if he needs to work directly with Cassian. Um, so yeah. Now, Nick, do you see him going like full I don't betrayal? See that. Or do you see yeah, him just see trying that, to fuck But what Cassian? I do see is like when shit just almost for sure will go off the rails because, I mean, it doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter if it's a TV show or if it's a game you're playing. Usually, <laughs> yeah, it, it, like the mission's not going to go well. We, is we gonna all hit know that, wall, right? <laughs> the shit's going to hit the fan and you're going to have to improvise. Yeah. And what it's going to come down to is, is there's going to be a moment where Skeen is going to have to trust Cassian or not. And that's, that's what's going to like. Yeah. Or yeah. Okay. Or, yeah. or it's going to be like a, a, yeah. a save where it's like Skeen and, and he's like, yeah. psych. One of those moves. I just, I have a feeling Skeen and, and Skeen will probably die for it. it, it like, I, I don't think any of this crew is long for this world outside of maybe uh, Vel. Um, I think my boy Nemec is fucked. Like they, they've put way too much character development into Nemec for him not to be one of the first oh, yeah. Aldhani yeah. crew members to get taken out. Like th- this kid, I mean, he, he has the Bible of the rebellion. Did anyone else pick that up? Like th- th- this guy, like, he could be very important to the, the to the Rebel Alliance because he's the he's the philosophical one. His motivation is because he truly believes that the Empire is wrong and 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 people need their freedom. Where Skeen, we know his motivation is revenge. Cassian, we know his motivation right now is quasi revenge, quasi money, quasi staying on the run. Uh, we don't truly know Val or Tamarin's motivation yet, but. I just feel like Nemec because he has gotten the most development through scenes with Cassian, and and I do think fans are maybe taking to him because yeah, hey, hey, he built the diorama. He was the one with that Polaroid that didn't have the case on it, saying, "Hey, isn't this thing cool?" And like I said, he's also more or less a he's like a Rebel Alliance preacher, for a lack of a better description. I mean, he, yeah. he truly has a Bible of thoughts. It's a manifesto, you know. I, I don't want to compare it to to Hitler's manifesto or or Marx or Lenin, but it, it's similar to that. It's like, listen, motherfuckers, we got to rise up. What what these people are doing is wrong, and this is why, and this is how we should live, and this is what we should believe in. So, um, I agree, Devin. He's in the chat saying here, Nemec's manifesto is forever. You can kill a man, but yeah. not an idea. That is correct. I, I do believe Nemec's words. We'll, we'll play a, we probably will never see it, but we will now know that Nemec could have been the match that lit the fire of rebellion, right? Mm-hmm. There we go. A little sequel callback. Okay. So 
I guess since we're on the review, let's go ahead and talk through some top moments, and I got some secret questions for Nick to kind of get his thoughts. Uh, yeah, Tones, you're right. The whole Cassie yeah, and sister thing, maybe two, that'll get picked up again yeah, in yeah. Uh, 7, 8, 9. Uh, or, or we could have got fucking Tony, and that truly was just a MacGuffin, and he's not going to give a shit on, on Canary or whatnot. I hope that's not the case, but with these three-episode arcs, depending on where episode 7 goes, we're going to be on a whole new journey, and if it's not in line with incorporating flashbacks, who knows? I, I really don't know. I mean, that's that's kind of the fun and kind of the uh, yeah. the unknown of these three episode arcs. We just we just don't know. But I, I think most of the Aldhani crew is is toast outside of Vel. That's a good call there, Devin. Synth is probably going out. That that's uh, Vel's girlfriend, Tamarin. I, I really think they're all done, but Vel and and Cassian. But we'll we'll, we'll hopefully see tomorrow. We know they at least make it out because we've seen it in the trailer with all those crazy lights. We now know that that's that, that sky show that, that takes place every 300 years on Aldani. Uh, so we at least know they get out of the facility, but as Nick said, yeah. who knows if the mission is fully successful. Um, all right. So uh, some top moments I noted here, Nick, and you know, well, I, I hope to get some of your insights here, but the first one again is the Mothmas, and I know Tones, he's not really digging the, the dysfunction of the Mothmas, but I, I think this is the most intriguing aspect of Andor so far. Um, I, you know, before the show even came out, I was telling all of you, my, I'm most excited for Mon Mothma and, and her, her parts, and so far I've not been disappointed. And that's mainly because, Nick, I've been blown away with how fucked up her family life is. You just, knowing what we know about Mon... And, and what she ultimately becomes and achieves, it's like so, it's such a mindfuck to think that her home, her, her allies, her allies through blood mostly hate her guts. They don't have her back. They don't share in her ideals. They don't believe in what she believes in. And, and I found that to be shocking, but also very intriguing because it, it, it further shows you the type of character Mon is. And at this point, Nick, I think there's a fair point to make that at some point over these next four and a half years, Mon may indeed have to choose the rebellion over her family. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think and, that's going to happen sooner rather than later, for sure. Um, I think that this is a commentary on like growing up in, with privilege like if you've you know i know that star wars fans and stuff like that don't like to talk about social commentary and what the meanings of things are behind the the actual screen but like it, that's what it is it's like you could tell that Perrin and and her daughter obviously have grown up in privilege and they don't even it, it's shown in the way that Perrin treats the driver like oh we you know his yeah. name? What's his you name? You shithead. Yeah, yeah, you shit like, face. Like, <laughs> it's it's a way to show that, like, when you grow up in the lap of luxury, like Perrin has and, like, their, you know, her daughter has. And, I mean, who knows if, if Mon's background was in, you know, was uh, was well off or not. But when you grow up in a situation like that, it's easy for you to overlook the suffering of other people because it doesn't mm -hmm. directly affect you. It's yeah. not even in your direct eye, in your direct eye line. So, like... You have Mon Mothma, who is clearly a very empathetic person, a very sympathetic person, and a person who sees beyond the scope of what is just in her living room. 
and sees the oppression. That's a great point, man. Because yeah. that, that seems like Perrin's vision does not extend behind, beyond his dining room. It really exactly. doesn't. So, like, you have Mon, though, who sees everything, who sees the oppression, who sees the, the terrible things that are happening under the grip of the Empire, and who has clearly tried to have these conversations with Perrin. But he's just completely, he, he doesn't care. It's not that he doesn't see it. It's that he doesn't care oh, because yeah, he I doesn't mean, have com- to completely disconnected like i yeah. i think someone could walk into this this breakfast scene shoot mon in the head her head hits the table he would literally just keep eating and then say that to to lida hey you ready to go to school let's go yeah and they'd be like all right cool and 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 like that's really <laughs> like so one we've never that's what i love though like yeah. it's such a shock to me i did not expect this at all but did i bring this up last week someone commented on on a I don't know if it was last week or two weeks ago cast, but they apparently Gilroy has said this in an article that um, Mon and Perrin are in an arranged marriage and they've that's, been hooked since 16. That's what I thought. So like that's what, yeah. So that, yeah. that, that explains a lot, I think, and, and yeah. why they, they don't really seem like lovers or that they give two shits about yeah. each other at this point, especially given like, I know I said that like when we first saw the dynamic between, Mon and Perrin, I was like, it could be possible that they're in an arranged marriage. And knowing that now for fact actually makes sense because usually in arranged marriages, what happens is you have somebody who is the higher up, who is like usually a station, you know, at a higher station, which was likely Perrin. And then you have a family that is um, either looking to, to gain influence that like sets up an arranged marriage with usually their daughter. It's usually not the the sons who get put in arranged marriage. I mean, just just think Game of Thrones or House yeah. of Dragon, what you're seeing right now. That That's that's what's happening on Shandrilla, yeah. essentially. So it's not surprising knowing that, that she is the one that has the more broad-thinking kind of approach to the galaxy where Perrin is the one that is just of privilege. Um, and it's like all like this whole family dynamic is social commentary. It's about how when oppressive regimes take power, you can look at this in Russia. Like look at, you know, what's happened in Russia over the last 40 years. Um, when oppressive regimes take power, the people who are of the upper echelon are taken care of by the government because those are the people with the most influence over society. And that's just how societies work. I mean, look at, like in Russia, you have this massive oppressive government, but all of the oligarchs, all of the rich people in Russia don't really give a shit because they are taken care of by the government. And it's the same thing that's happening now with the empire. All of the rich people are being taken care of. All of the influential people are being taken care of, which is why the rebellion was born out of people like Vel, people like Luthen, people like Cassian, the people who are being oppressed. And I think that because Star Wars has such a wide swath of, of you know, people and planets and, and places to cover, you never really dug into the individual livelihoods of those people, even the main characters in, in previous Star Wars properties. And now with the approach that Tony's taking, you get to see more of an intimate view into family and units it. and stuff. So it's, it's very interesting. Yeah, it's all, um, I don't know, like I said, it, it's probably one of the biggest surprises I've gotten in Andor is Mothma's home life. Yeah. Because, like I said, we, we, we know who she becomes and, and, and just the, what she puts on her shoulders. 
she essentially carries the galaxy on her back from a, a figurehead standpoint. Yes, we know the Skywalkers, the Leias, the Lukes, the Andors, the Ursos, they're the ones, they're, they're the boots on the ground. But Mothma, you know, she is ultimately, I, at this point, I don't think we can call her a visionary. I, I think that's Luthen. In fact, Nick, I, I put a note down. I, at this point, I think it's a fair statement to say that Mon Mothma is going to be the successor to Luthen versus how we thought she was, the one that organized everything and actually got the Rebel Alliance networked. It, it seems Luthen's the one is doing all this work, at this stage at least, and she kind of reports to him. So I, I, yeah. I do think that... You know, we know Luthen's going to die at some point during Andor. I think I think he makes it to season two because Stellan, I think, let that out months ago. <laughs> yeah, we're doing season two. <laughs> fucking, he's coming back. She's coming back. She's coming back. So he's probably going to die by the end of the series. And he should because he's not in fucking Rogue One. That would be odd to have the whole Rebel Alliance, you yeah. know, amassed at, 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 at Masasi Temple and homeboy that created the thing, the grandfather of the Rebel Alliance. He is had missing. A, he, like he that's when he decides to go yeah, on vacation he had a meeting right? at, he had the, go, uh, at the uh shop at the relic store there was somebody who wanted to buy some, something it was a high high value purchase so we i had to be there right he, he needed to add since he has items from the first two indiana jones movies he needed to add the uh the crucible yeah. or, or <laughs> jesus jesus's cup to his collection because he already has the the stones from the yeah, temple so of doom was, and obviously the bullwhip but do you, I mean, do you ultimately feel that, hell, maybe Mothma, you know, we always thought that she, she kind of chooses to do this and got in and, 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 you know, made herself present and calls out the Empire after what they do to uh, the people of Gorman. Now, but now do you think it's almost she's going to have to take that role after Luthen perishes? I think that she's... Do you think it's more of a force thing or it's more of a natural progression after he I passes? think that it's... I don't know if it's going to be forced, but she's going to feel pressure to because right now the glue of whatever this rebellion is, I mean, you know, we heard them cheer to the rebellion at the end of the episode. Um, the glue is Luthen. Whether the, the, the broader groups know it or not, the heads of each of these groups knows that Luthen is the one that is the glue. When he falls, I think that it's going to put pressure on Mon Mothma, whether there are other people out there or not who are saying like, it's time for you to step up. I think she yeah. will be the one to put the pressure on herself to say like, we need to, like, I need to take the reins of this. It's yeah. time. <laughs> no, that's a great point. Cause it, it, if you think about it, you, you hit on something with Luthen. Notice he only works with the leader yeah. of these rebel cells. None of the other members know who he is. They've never seen him. They never interacted with him. And that's all on purpose. Like he, he's trying to minimize his contacts to minimize yeah. his risk. So Luthen, you have to imagine has been going around the galaxy in networking with leads. And, and I think Saul Guerrero is obviously going to be one of them. We know that's coming yeah. up. It's in the trailer. Vel is one of but them. Even, and uh, he ultimately recruited Cassie. And I think to become yeah. one himself, but even like on Ferrix, like the girl on fair, what Correct. was her name? Her, Bix. Uh, Bix. Yeah. Like Bix was, I mean, 
I don't want to say she was the leader of a rebel cell, but like she was, she was the one who was in contact with Luthen to to get at least get, get him get stuff like, for the rebel cells. I mean, exactly. she, she was like essentially to, to the, the supplier stuff. for his his little rebel activity. And yeah. we'll get to his scene at the end, but that just reinforces like how invested this guy is. He's listening for chatter from his rebel cells to see if anything's popped up about the Ald Hani mission. Uh, so I, I, like I said, I, I sometimes ask these questions for us to talk about. And I, I had Mothma will be successor to Luthen. I mean, it's it's just natural at this point. And uh, Nick is correct. She she's going to become the the true figurehead, the true leader, like like a president, a head of state where Luthen, he did all the groundwork. He did the the recruiting, the building, setting up the systems, the protocols. And, you know, he he is the father of the rebellion. And then Mon is going to kind of take the reins and become the mother. So I, I, I like that. But I, I think that's why her family life is, is so interesting, because she just seems so beat down, disrespected, that you it's it's you see a struggle when sometimes with these figureheads we just always think that hey their life's great and they just she chose to make a stand and her family was behind her gave her that confidence she doesn't have any of that like when she makes the 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 choice to jump as i said earlier she's going to be choosing the rebel alliance over her flesh and blood and and that's going to be tough for her even though they treat her like shit they're still her family so i i love that dynamic yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's a fun dynamic, and it's one that we've never really seen before in Star Wars. You know, like we've never got to see the intimate nature of a yeah. family that is essentially even a family that is united in its feeling towards you know being either pro empire or anti empire. Like we've never got to see it. The closest that we got was just the few minimal scenes that we saw with the ursos uh, yeah with you know the ursos in the early parts of of rogue one and then like yeah you get to see uh luke and and baru and uh baru and owen sit down and have a meal but like that was you know you kind of got to see a little bit of their feeling on the you know on on everything you know he's you know luke's i want to go off i want to i want to join the uh you know i i you know, I want to go to the Academy he was this gonna, year. Yeah, he was going to join the fucking Imperials. Imp- I yeah, think everyone forgets that. Like when and they then, say Academy, that, that's not the Rebel Academy. No, there is no there, Rebel there was Academy. No such thing. <laughs> Imperial like, Academy, Biggs, everybody. Biggs was fucking, he was, he was learning to fly some TIE fighters, you know? I yeah, mean, that, that's yeah. just what you did when you were a farm boy on Tatooine. Uh, all right, so that that's my first top moment. And there wasn't a ton in this episode, but that's okay. Look at, look at all that meat you just got. All right, Miro, who I, I'm digging. I love Miro. I can't wait to see kind of where her thread ultimately goes and grows into. But just like I told everyone last week, like, she knows what's up. She says it again when she's working with her aide. I mean, even the aide knows what's up. They're, going, they're like, this is, this is coordinated rebel activity. The shit they are going after, the shit they are doing is, is, is signs of something bigger. And we need to figure this out whether... Patagaz or Blevins cocky ass is going to help us or not. Uh, so I, I like her commitment to her gut. Again, she has no hard proof. Her background, this mysterious background. Remember Patagaz, we need more officers like you with your like background, you. whatever the hell that is. And, and we know as an audience that her gut is correct. But the interesting thing with Miro is, is just watching how her own team essentially is going to screw themselves by screwing her 
by not believing her intuition. And that is like the epitome of the Galactic Empire. Everyone in the Empire is so worried about themselves and their own careers and growth and power that that's why the Rebel Alliance becomes what it becomes and ultimately takes down the fucking Galactic Empire after only being in reign for, you know, 20, 25 years or so. Uh, because of people like Miro, who know what's up, but for whatever reason, because she's not in the right circle, she doesn't have enough systems, she doesn't have the right parts, the Empire's going to ultimately shoot itself in the foot because uh, th- that could never happen to us. We're smarter than this. You know, Obi-Wan Kenobi's <laughs> line. How could this happen to us? We're Jedi. We're smarter than this. I, I still think they cut that shit out of Revenge of the Sith, or I'm just making it up at this point in time, but I know he said that when they get caught in the ray shields on Grievous's um, cruiser there. I'm, I'm pretty sure he did, unless you brainwashed me into believing it. See, I'm I think I sure did. Like, I think I've, I've just gaslit you over these years that this is a real line. Because I was, <laughs> I, like, because I can see it in my head, too. Like, I can see the scene in what it's he awful. says. It. It, it's it's one of the worst scenes in Star Wars. It's when Anakin, Obi, and, and Palpy get captured in the hallway in a ray shield. And Obi-Wan, I swear to God, said, What Jedi? No, how could this happen? What Jedi? What's smarter than this? And, and then it was like, like oh, and then, George! And it was supposed to be and then like R2 a... comes flying out of a door and he's like, Me! Yeah. And he runs into the wall. It's like, what is this? Fucking Three Stooges? But hey, we love it, right? <laughs> oh, man. Uh, so, real. so Miro, man, what, what do you, th- you, you digging Miro Stretters or not enough juice yet behind it? What, 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 mean, what ultimately do you think she is going to, going to do here? I mean, it, it, does she, can she convince someone with power in the empire that she's right? Or is she going to have to, as I'm speculating, uh, kind of get, get on the ground, do some detective work, more than likely link up with Cyril and, and kind of expose this on her own? Yeah. So I don't think that it's even a question of like, can she convince somebody in the empire? She's right. I, I just think that like to the empire, this is small potatoes. They're like, we like, even if you are right, we really don't fucking care. So like, can you yeah, move like we're, past we're the empire. We're the empire. Yeah. I mean, that's what, that's essentially what they're saying. We are the empire enough said. So, yeah. So I don't think that she's going to get help from anybody within the superstructure. Like that's not going to happen. But I do think that, that, what is likely to follow is what you've suggested. Like she is going to get in touch with Cyril somehow. She's going to have him. She's going to work with him on the download because she's almost assuredly not going to be able to get this bumblefuck idiot into the Imperial, especially no. into the ISB. Like there's no way that that's happening. And if he gets an Imperial uniform put on him in any way, he would be lucky. Help. He'll blow a load like that guy. He he's so like yeah. he's such a goody two shoes. One that wants to be the man, the guy. But you're right. You, you'd have to think after his incident on Ferrix that he has been blackballed, blackballed in the corporate in the system. Yeah. Like you, he can't go down to the recruiting office and be like, oh hey, you know, I used to do detective work for the corpos. They'll look him up. And be like you. How are you not in fucking jail? Go back to your mom and keep getting your ass kicked. I think what his ultimate story is going to be is like, he's so laser focused on Andor, he's going to get caught up with Miro, who's going to use him, like literally use him to get whatever she needs. And then he's, she's going to get him killed. And like, he's going to like, Cyril is going to end up dead. Like there is no redemption arc for Cyril. There is no, oh, he's going to become a, a, an Imperial officer one day. 
Like, yeah, you, you, do you see him ever potentially crossing over to the the alliance, or because Andor fucked him so bad that that burning desire to get revenge is going to cloud him from yeah, I, I, right and wrong? I don't see him changing sides because he is such at least at least from what we have learned and what we've seen of him so far, he is such a one track mind person. He's felt like, and that was even before the Cassian thing. Like this was right right up front when he's like, there two of our guys got killed and we're not even going to, he's being, he's, he's been a douche since birth. So like he, he, he doesn't put aside what he sees as wrongs just because there's opportunity on the other side. Like he needs to follow his line through to completion yeah. and it has to be completion in the way that he wants it to be. So I think that yeah, you're right. I mean, he, you could argue that it, it's going to happen. I, I just know it's going to happen, but you could argue cereal is going to cereal. Cereal. His I mean, that sucks by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Could have just called that episode he, he, serial, right? Right? Am I right, fan? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he is right. It just episode six, serial, serial, serial yeah. is what that should have been called. <laughs> but I, I could honestly see him, like his motivation, obviously is Cassian, but, but I could see him once he gets wind that, you know, that they may be looking into it. Maybe he doesn't hear it from Miro. Maybe she does track him down. But, but I see him going, you know, like a, one of those kids out on the playground that recess that rats on everyone like, Hey teacher, uh, Matt just said shit. You know, that <laughs> yeah. always used to happen to me as a little kid that that's who he is. And I could see him going to Miro, even though as Nick said, she's just going to use him and abuse him, but he will approach it as like, Hey, th- this could be my redemption ticket here. Like, Hey, if I, if I show Lieutenant Miro that, that, that I can help her on this little secret mission that I'm going to get an ISB. I'm going to get my whites and all's going to be well. And mommy's going to love me yeah. again. You know, I, I think that's going to be kind of his mindset, but because he is such a dope and he is so laser focused on just one thing, as, as you said, my friend, he is always going to yeah. fail. So I, I, I agree. Okay. All right. You know what? Uh, fuck it. I'll save it for the eggs. Cause we'll have a picture of them, but I, I, I got another, question i want to get your insights on on an uncle uh another top moment and nick nick uh brought it up a, a few minutes ago uh, and it was simple but when they're all standing around the fire getting ready to head out the to the rebellion line to me was impactful because it's the first time it, it's been spoken in the series it, it really hammers home the idea that val and her crew have been in the re- the, the the rebellion from day one They've been living it, breathing it, eating it, sleeping it. And now this is really Cassian's first foray into rebel activity beyond just, you know, fucking with the Empire and getting some gear to make some money for himself. So I really do think it was a, even though it's kind of throwaway, it was, it's a poignant moment in Cassian's career with the rebels, which we know is going to be a great one. But at this point, again, he's still a merc. He's not here for for the Rebel Alliance. He thinks they're just like the Separatists, the Partisans. It's like whatever. It's not going to go anywhere to him. But we we do know, at least based on how he is in Rogue One, that uh, throughout these experiences, he is going to develop that edge and that passion for the Rebels. And he will be more like Vel probably by the end of Season yeah. 1. So I love seeing kind of his indoctrination <laughs> into 
the 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 rebellion yeah. prime, if yeah. you will. No, I I think that that's a good call. Um, it's just it it's fun. Like to me, it was it was fun to see even over these two episodes how the relationship between Cassian and everybody else has kind of evolved, even to a point to where like people were standing up for him when Skeen made his move. And like, you know, the next, you know, the next slide that we see that we're going to talk about is when Skeen cuts off the Kyber says like, I knew that there was something going on, but like at this point, like everybody's already like, look, you're, we need to move past these things. We need to move past this little bullshit because we have what could essentially be the end of all of our lives coming in the next 24 hours. And, and really the, I mean, my friends, I, I think this is honestly going to be the first major offensive from the rebels against the empire. Like this is, yeah. this is it. I mean, that, that's why we're going to talk about the end. That, this is why Luthen is so nervous. This is his first big gambit where he knows the empire can't just sweep it under the rug or ignore it. He knows this is going to be, this is the first salvo of the rebel Alliance, which isn't even the Alliance yet. This is the first punch. And if it goes bad, it's over. Like it is over. Rebel Alliance is dead on arrival. If this thing fails. So yeah, Val's like, listen, you you assholes. Like, you know, I know you got some big swinging dicks and your hormones are always flowing. You can kill each other after yeah. we do this. So uh, they 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 it does seem like, as Nick said, that they they've come to I wouldn't say not quite an ag- appreciate Cassian, but maybe maybe respect them a bit more. Uh, they clearly see he's got the the brains, the knowledge, and, and the skills. I mean, he knew how to march yeah, like a yeah. soldier really well. I think right? a lot so, of it was, it's not even uh, acceptance. It's just whether you accept him or not, it's going down. You need him. Like, and you need to yeah. be, <laughs> like, 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 you need to be prepared because it's going down and he's going to be there and there's going to be a moment, like I said earlier, where you're going to need to depend on him. And if you have reservations, if you have some shit in the back of your head, it's going to cause a problem. And that's, that's kind of what we're expecting with skiing It's like, he's just not going to be able to move past this, this bullshit that he's, that he's got and it's going to cause an issue. So. Yeah. Well, speaking of our boy skiing. Oh, hold on. We got an update. Tones has confirmed. That's my man tones. He, he fired up rots on D plus and found 18 minutes in that the, the uh, dialogue spoken by one General Kenobi is indeed we in knew that. Revenge of we the knew Sith. It. So it's, <laughs> we it's knew the, it. We knew it. It's like 18 minutes in, and he even dropped a YouTube clip if you're in the live stream to check we it out. So thank knew. you, Tones. Uh, well, speaking of, speaking of our boy Skeen, all right? I mean, he just he looks ratty as fuck. He looks shady. We learned a bit more, but I mean, he obviously had a, a boner yeah. for Cassian. So much so that he ends up accosting him and 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 cutting the sky kyber from his throat and making a big deal out of it, like look, look at it, sky kyber, blah 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 blah. And this is where Cassian's like, "Listen, motherfuckers, I'm a, I'm a merc, you know, get over it. Now you know. Let, let's let's kind of clear the air." But, but it's just, I, I I include this as a top moment because. It goes back to some of our earlier conversation about what's going to happen tomorrow or episode six. 
they, they've made such a fuss about Skeen's distrust of Andor that it's just, to me, it's, it's clear that this dude is probably, uh, he, he's going to, he's going to be the one that kind of fucks things up. Yeah. Uh, it, it may not be on purpose, but he, he's, his head is not fully in the game. He's that too is. worried about Cassian. He's, he's not present. He's not thinking about the goal. He's too worried about this, this Merc that joined their party. Yeah. And, and that, that, that mind block and then just his, you can tell his heart is full of revenge. He, he's probably not going to be thinking as clearly as the rest. And as we said earlier, I, I think it's going to be a moment where Cassian's going to need help and Skeen's going to give him the finger. Or, you know, Skeen is going to be the one that causes shit to go off the rails to where people are dying and they're scrambling and they may get out with only one or two survivors. Yeah, that, that's what I was going to say is that it's not it's not about the the feelings or anything else. It's about his head not being in the game. Like he there is something in his head that's telling him that that Cassian is going to do something. Cassian's going to fuck them. And like I said yeah. earlier, like it's going to come down to a situation where like Cassian is going to have to like Cassian's the one that has to make the move to save them or to to like make a critical decision. And then Skeen is going to have some issue with it or Skeen is not going to be able to yeah. to go along with it. And it's going to probably be to his demise, you know, or. Well, and, and the teams like I, I think Skeen and his lack of focus is is going to be why this mission is going to be even more hairy than it already is yeah. like, like it, he's going to be one of the reasons that's going to make things even dicier that for the Aldhani team than it should be. Nice. Yeah. Uh, you, you know what, why, why we're looking at this with, with the sky Kyber and, and I'll give credit to, to one six on this. I, I don't know. Maybe it was one six. Was this last week we talked about uh, the potential of Luthen having some sort of connection to the Jedi order or the force? We did mention it. Was that, we did mention okay, it. Okay, so we, like, did, we did discuss it's, that. Because we were like, oh, well, he may be from, like, from a long, like a long, like long it's past like, why, why does he care so, or something like that. Yeah, like why, why does he care so much about this kyber? Why does he have a blue kyber kiss, crystal? Why were his people the ones that, you know, did the uprising against the, the, the Radicans? You know, I was also thinking maybe he could be in that, or maybe he was kind of like a cheer it in, in bays, like a protector of the wills, yeah. like not, not a Jedi per se, but someone that subscribed to the, the religion that, of the force. That's kind of the way that I was thinking about him too, is like, it, it's very possible that there may have been like a Jedi in his past, like in, in like his lineage, but also like, it's hard to say if, if like, if you have one Jedi in your family, does like everybody get it? Is it genetic? Like we know that the force is genetic at this point. Like there's no way to get around it. So like, right. If your dad was a Jedi back or like if your great, great grandfather was a Jedi before they instituted the orders where like Jedi can't have fucking kids. And like, you know, he has two kids and then they have two kids. Does, does Luthan just go down the line and he just doesn't have midichlorians anymore? And like, but he was raised well, in that and he was a part of that. So yeah, it's there. There, Well, I think that we got an answer to that a bit in Kenobi. If you listen to his conversation, Ben does discuss that he had a brother when he was oh, taken yes, yeah. and, his, and his brother was not taken. So yeah, I think we can say definitively that uh, getting the midichlorians is it's, it's not genetic. Yeah. It's, it's the will of the force, I guess. If you, if you want to get that, 
religious with with uh, how you how you uh, develop or, or establish a connection with the force itself. Uh, but it's just it's like a, you know he, this Luthen guy. He clearly has money. He clearly has connections. But you saw in episode four, like he said to Cassian, like, listen, dickhead, I'm giving this to you just so you know I'm serious, but you better bring it back. Like this, yeah. this means more to me than 50,000 yeah. credits. So uh, typically a, a, a dealer, an antiquities person wouldn't care so much about an antique if it didn't have some sort of familial or heirloom uh, type of ties yeah, to exactly. it. Okay, and again, speaking about our boy, and and we've said some stuff on this, but I I love the closing scene of Luthen, who up until this point, you know, outside of his conversation with Mon, but even then he felt like he was in control. He was like, listen, you got to do this for this to happen. (laughs) Damn it. Like he he was confident. But this is the first time we see him shitting down his leg. I mean, he is... You could feel it, and, and this is a credit to Stellan and his brilliant acting and portrayal of this character. But you could you could literally almost smell the diarrhea dripping onto the floor as he is hovering over this like nineteen thirties forties ham radio, listening for any potential traffic about the Aldhani yeah. mission. I think it it showed that you know he he is human. It showed how invested he is in these rebel cells and it showed how dangerous this mission is. Like I said, I, I do think this is kind of the, the first hello empire, all that little shit that Miro has been saying is leading to something big. Well, guess what? Here's the first big thing. We are here. We exist and you may have to pay attention to us and and you can feel that stress in Luthen during this this short scene, so I I just I, I thought yeah. it was brilliant. Not much was said, but you could just feel the the amount of tension that he he's experiencing on the night of his first oh, big yeah, mission. Absolutely, I mean it was it was good that they showed that because it shows how truly invested he is. You know, like it doesn't he's not even a part of it. He's not a part of the the mission. He's just kind of cobbled these people together. But he he also knows, and I think, you know, he said as much when he was explaining the mission to Cassian, like, if they pull this off successfully, they funded the empire, or they funded the rebellion for, like, the next, you know, I think he mentioned a time frame, but it's like, we've we funded our next operations for X amount of time. So, like, it's big. Right. Well, Nick, and since you saw it today, you might remember, but I believe he speaks a line, or Clea speaks a line... That essentially says, whatever happens tomorrow, it's the beginning of yeah. something new. Meaning, if we fail, we're done. Like, the like the gig is up. They're going to find that I was the mastermind. I'm going to get killed. You're going to get killed. But the flip of it, if you, if you kind of read in between the lines, if was succeed. the rebellion is going to become a, a public yeah. thing now. Uh, it's going to be more like when we meet the rebels, where... You know, you, you kind of hear around the hollow net like, oh, the, this rebel cell did this or there's rebel activity over there. This is it. Like, I, I truly believe this is this is going to be the his first salvo against the Empire uh, to make it look like, you know what, there is a coordinated rebel effort now. It's it's not just these cells fucking around with star path units or, you know, this device or, or small amounts of credits from Steer yeah. Guard or wherever these other places that Miro is concerned with. So, yeah. 
Um, you know what? I had a question here, and uh, I, I uploaded a picture of her. The, the, the way that Clea just has, like, is that her name? I think Clea. The way that she has ice in her veins, does she not appear to be the real leader? <laughs> like, Dude, the real boss of like, these two? Yeah, I mean, in situations like this, she was... She's literally like holding him together. Like, Hey, keep your fucking yeah, shit. She's like, Hey dude, fucking like, get, yeah. Get, get a grip on yeah. yourself, pussy. I mean, that's kind of what it was like. I don't, I mean, do you, are they partners? Are they related or, or, or are they equals? I mean, I, I really feel like she is bringing more of a composed persona to this than, than Lutham was like, I, and that's why it was a, a big scene to me. Like, you know, over the first four episodes, you wouldn't anticipate someone like Luthen to get as nervous yeah. as we saw him. I mean, the guy's been the guy's been doing shady shit for God knows maybe since the dawn yeah. of the Empire. But this, you clearly felt it was weighing on him, and she just walks in like stone faced. Hey, dude, snap out of it. Get some fucking balls. But Believe in yourself. Like, that's we got. That's this. like the sign of like a good partner because. A lot of times, okay. even in like regular life, even with just regular jobs, like when you're in the middle of something, whether it be a stressful project that you're doing, whether it be taking on a new job and stuff like that, like you can put yourself in the position, you can get into the position that uh, that Luthen's in right now where you're, I don't want to say too invested, but you've you've basically put yourself in a position to where the only thing that can happen based off of the like the the mindset that you have is disappointment and you need somebody you need a good partner to like be able to kind of pull you out of it and say like hey you did the best that you could given the circumstances and you put all of your effort into this and now is the time where you just need to let it happen and whatever happens happens and you deal with it after um you know, that's because, I mean, I've had to do that for Taylor. Taylor's had to do that for me and stuff like that is like really just be able to pull somebody back and say like, hey, look, you did everything you could. Now is the time for you to just sit back and wait. Like you're not going to do yourself any favors. So she's kind of like she's almost like the hand or, or like of. the lieutenant, you know, or, or you know, his his, his right yeah, his, hand his like advisor. Person. Like, hey, all right. Cause I, I I know she she persists throughout the season. It looks like she she goes on some missions herself. I, I think in the trailer we see her in like this this red outfit. She's got a hood on. She's again looking stone. She's a stone faced killer. Like to me, I, I I would rather fuck with with Lucy or Cassian at this point over Clea. Like like she looks like a boss. I mean in my notes I literally have Clea <laughs> the real boss question mark and I'm sticking to it. Uh, more reporting from tones here. God awful acting and delivery of lines. What was George well, Lucas? Thinking? That was the See? whole prequel. We're not wrong all the time. Yeah. I mean, just, just watch it. We, we, we love the man. We speak his name and you know, we've all come around to the prequels if we didn't quite love them when we first watched them, but it's, it's hard for, it's hard for me to listen to people like, Oh, they're, they're the best. They're, they're so cool. The way they're written and all the acting like, dude, just, just slow it down and watch it. Yeah. As an adult, I mean, there's some horrendous, horrendous acting. There's, there's some in, real in bad shit in dialogue. There, it's like <laughs> it's, I'm not gonna lie, I I like I don't watch the prequels often. Uh, I'll, I'll put it that way. Like I'm not like I don't go back and watch them a lot. I, I do a yearly. I, I I've I've settled into like a yearly screening here or there. But like 
I will say that like when I watch them, there there are some moments that pop up in some of these movies where I, like I literally just like I have to like like stop and be like I can't believe that this is like wow I just like I I'm almost in like <laughs> yeah. a that is it is it's just like a holy fuck because I, I remember witnessing it in theaters and, and back then I kind of had like Stockholm syndrome yeah. I was like oh yeah no this is good this is good look at all the lightsabers whoa and then I'd leave and like in, in, in the dark corners of my room as I'm sitting there I'm going like I this isn't good it's not good it, it, this really isn't that good <laughs> like, I mean but you know hey time heals all wounds we had the clone wars it, it put all sorts of band-aids on it so I actually enjoy watching the prequels now because they are it is kind of it, it's almost fun at times because you remember like oh my god like how did this pass muster how did yeah how did George during dailies go yep this is what that's good this is what we yeah. want it to look like and sound like perfect <laughs> You fucking nailed Dude, it. You nailed it. You and that, that when you say, oh, we're smarter than this. That's exactly yeah, how I heard like it in my that, head. That, that. Just going, okay. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's like in some points it's painful, but then it, like there are shine, <laughs> like there are good moments in the prequels. Like there are a lot of good moments, but there's also a lot of moments where I'm like, Jesus fucking Christ. Like, no, no. Listen, now I understand why why the younger generations they're just like, hey, we need action, 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 because yeah. that was that was the only good stuff from their movies was the action. The action was great. I mean, the prequels had some fantastic visuals, blue green screen or not. But if you really get into character development and dialogue, it is piss. Yeah, it is. Like it is like it's yeesh. not great. Not not that the not that the OT is much better, but it, it's not the, the OT is, is like Oscar worthy compared to the prequels in terms of of how scenes are delivered Dude, yeah, yeah. <laughs> ah, all right i'm sure we i'm sure we just pissed off some yeah people. alienated sorry justin alienated uh, i know you love the prequels but come on we're, we're having honest we discussions. gotta it's we okay. gotta call it out when we see it right you gotta be okay right. with calling it calling the bullshit uh, otherwise we're, we're just kool-aid drinkers like other cults that we know exist at this point in time okay all right, so you know what, man? Let's move into our Easter eggs. So this is the second part of our Andor, Episode 5, The Axe Forgets Breakdown. Now we're going to get into the fun stuff, which it was fun for me last week, Limited. my friend, because there was hardly any. I was like, yes! How many things can you find in Cyril's mom's kitchen? <laughs> I know, and that, that's exact, That's pretty much where, where a bulk of them come from. Uh, but I, 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 it was nice not going all the way up to my lecture Last week, I actually had some time to get the podcast mixed and, you know, get some lecture notes uh, handled. So let's keep this up, Tony, in episode six. Easter egg light. I'm digging it. Uh, but there were there were some in here, you know, some are kind of stupid. Some are kind of neat. Some may spawn some discussion like this one here. So I so obviously getting the, the, the bantha milk, you know, that that's a a Star Wars staple from an Easter egg standpoint. And we also had some Melaroon fruit there on the table. Another one that was introduced in Star Wars Rebels. It's actually, uh, it's how Ezra ends up with the ghost crew. Uh, So, you know, Melaroon fruit's a big thing. How was in the book of Boba Fett at the end when they had the Miller time moment, they threw it to, (laughs) to, to Santee, you know, it's kind of an odd moment, but Hey, that's that's the book of Boba Fett. I don't eat this shit. Yeah. Like what the fuck? Here you go, big guy. You know, yeah, just throw them, throw them like a Trandoshan yeah. arm or something. Don't give the, the don't give the, 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 the meat eater some fucking fruit. <laughs> but Nick, now that we're here and we we can see Cyril and his his angry angry mom or passive aggressive mother, Uncle Harlow, thoughts? 
Uncle Harlow is almost assuredly some member of like I don't think given her mobster gang like like gangster or do you think, think he's, he's more on the up I and up? I don't think he's on the up and up. I definitely think that he's some like I want to say that he's mixed in with the Imperials in some way, shape, or form, but he is not an Imperial. The way that Okay. Like like un- underworld, maybe Coruscant Underworld. Coruscant Underworld. I like the angle that you took with like potentially a mob boss because if I'm looking at one, the mannerisms of his mother, and two, the way that she kind of spoke about Uncle Harlow. It's like, oh, I spoke about I spoke to Uncle Harlow, and then you know, the way that she says, like, oh, he, you know he knew what this call was about before I even told him or something like that. Like he essentially knew that she was calling about Cyril. Um, and I think that it's probably some unsavory activity, especially given the way that he was introduced to us. He's a by the book guy. He wants to be like, he was a corporate security guy. And when one little thing wasn't handled procedurally, right, he made a deal of it. And this is what got him in the position so he probably doesn't like Uncle Harlow because Uncle Harlow is scum and villainy. I would I would say you know he's he is a a, a part of the of the of the underworld. He's he's has some dealings with the Empire more than likely nefarious, um, and that's probably what she's trying to push him into. Like, hey, look, your uncle makes money, does what he needs to do, is on the up and up with the Imperial. So maybe you should think about you know, something like that where he wants a more, you know, morally quote unquote upstanding position. So, um, but yeah, I do think that, that uncle Harlow is a, is a bad news kind of guy. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, Trevor's thrown out, maybe he's tied to the, the hut cartel, but I, I just, I feel like Harlow, especially as Nick made good points about Cyril, like you could tell when she was throwing his name out there. He's like, oh, fuck, we're back to this. Like, you know, I, 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 I tried to get away from this by doing my my corpo gig. And here we are back to Uncle Harlow and getting mixed up in his, uh, you know, shady organization. It, 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 you can tell it's not something like he wants to do. Uh, so Trevor's also saying maybe it's not a an, a. a an actual uncle. Maybe that's just like, you know, the name, like, Hey, there's uncle Sonny, like you, you know, in the mob, like, you know, it's yeah. uncle Vito, but they're not actually related. Uh, but I, I, I don't know. I'm sticking with, I think Harlow as Nick's right, not in the empire, but works with the empire in some yeah. shady fashion. I mean, that would make the most. And that clearly does not align with our boy's goals or, or, or who he wants to be. Uh, so I, I think that's why he had such disdain for his mom throwing it out there and actually calling him. Uh, but hey, maybe, maybe we'll find out. Hey, one, I, one thing I forgot to ask you when we were talking about the Aldhani people. What the hell do you think Val and, and Cinta are up to? What, what do you think their job is, considering they had to leave yeah. the main camp? And they're, they're not, you know, obviously they're not wearing the Imperial uniforms or their girls and all that fun stuff. What what do you think their main part's going to be? And maybe tones. This is this is probably going to be the scene where we see that star destroyer overhead. And I don't want to throw too much shit at you at once, but do you keep picking up on Gorn saying, "Hey, this Imperial engineer's coming. This Imperial engineer's coming. This Imperial engineer's coming." I I, I think that's kind of a a tip off to some some unplanned shit that may happen in Episode Six for the Aldhani crew. This. 
he's been talking about this Imperial engineer for two episodes now. Yeah. And it seems like a big visit, you know, like if, if you've ever worked in manufacturing, it would be like the, the president of manufacturing coming to your plant. So you got to polish it up and make sure everything looks nice. Remember, he's like, hey, make sure you guys are painting that shit so it doesn't look like crap. Do you do you feel like this Imperial engineer could be one of many monkey wrenches for the Aldhani group? Almost assuredly when you have like. The reason that they've been in the field as long as they've been in the field is to do reconnaissance and like basically have as close to a 100 percent assurance of the routines, like when shift changes happen, when people are where, like what are their walking routes? I mean, you've seen spy movies before and you know all the stuff that goes into planning a mission like this. So like when something like that comes up, like, hey. There's an engineer coming that only comes once every how long. We haven't seen him here before since we've been here, and we don't know how this is going to affect operational security. We don't know how this is going to affect movements. We don't know how this is going to affect everything that is around the mission that we're doing. So I do think that that is probably going to be like a hiccup or a, a hurdle that they have to cross. In terms of Vel and Cinta, one, I think we may be in a position to where um, they're just aware that there are no female Imperial officers at this point who work in this type of base. So like having them as members of this party may throw off, like may like draw eyes to them if they see like two yeah. Imperial women walking up in full uniform, like, hey, something is off here. So that's probably one reason why they can't do it. And two, whenever you're doing something like this where an escape is necessary, you need people on the outside to like give you heads up on like, what does your exit look like? And then give you like, okay, this exit is closed. I'm going to put together like, let me see if I can find a fallback plan for you to get out. Like, so you need, you not only need the people on the inside, but you need eyes on the outside to make sure that your escape route and everything that's going on with that is still clean. So, um, yeah. It just it, it, I I could have heard things wrong, watched it incorrectly, but it it seemed like their mission was even secret to the other team to mission. everybody else. Yeah, so that that's yeah. why I, I don't know. That's why I wanted to ask. I mean, Devin said maybe the girls are going to snipe some lookouts. Yeah, okay. I, I mean, it could that. be. Uh, but uh, it, it just I, seemed but like, they, like they made a point that like, hey, we got to go do our thing. You guys do your thing. You're not allowed to know what we're up to, or that will fuck everything up. So I don't know. I'm just curious what what that thing could actually be. I mean, maybe they have a, a whole other contact that hasn't been brought in to, to the main fold to kind of keep things separate, keep things silo. So there's less a chance for someone to squeal or for something to get jacked. But I, I don't know. It's just like, Hey, they, they really made it clear to the audience that, all right, these two are going this way to do something secret. And then we know what the boys are going to go do. Yeah. So. And it was also interesting that like, there was a level of trust between Cinta and Val that was even outside of the group itself. Because when Cassian reveals, like, I'm a merc, like, Val, like, you know, like, they, essentially there was an exchange between Cinta and Val where Val was like, yeah, I didn't even tell her. Oh, like, yeah, but I, I mean, well, we know that. Like, they're, Nobody. They're, they're playing scissors with each other at night. So, <laughs> I mean, they're, they're a thing, that's for sure. That's been yeah. confirmed. Um, all right, so uh, Tone's... 
I on the on the engineer question, he brought up Krennic. I, I honestly think sure. I mean, he he clearly has a place in Andor. Uh, I just don't know if he falls under a cynical cameo. <laughs> based yeah, considering on, on, it was a character. I mean, I right. will say that that at this time period, you're not going to see Krennic in ISB meetings because he is he is in the weeds with. Death Star yeah, he, stuff. He's hanging out on Scarif. And I don't even think he's ISB. He just has the whites like He Thrawn just got does. the white. Yeah. Yeah. He's he's wearing the Thrawn whites. Um because I, I also think it's been it's been discussed that the engineer is, is coming to essentially transform this place into a new airfield. because uh, Gorn's all bummed out because they're gonna wipe out more of the the altar and all that shit. And we learned why he he's turned on the Empire because of you know, he was he was shagging a local and she got taken out so you know love loves a a powerful thing Uh, yeah yeah, i don't know i just you know little things out there i i I don't think tony does stuff for shits and giggles so i i think this imperial engineer is is going to affect the mission in some capacity even if it's not krennic and i do wonder what the ladies are getting into like what is what is their what are the what's their goal or their job job. to pull off Yeah. Okay. Good stuff. All right. So moving right along with our Easter eggs here, um, Lyda herself is is actually a reference. Uh, she's kind of been recanonized through Andor, uh, but Lyda as a Mothma has existed since the '90s, I believe, in in Dark Empires, where she's first referenced. In fact, Mothma also had a son in in legends and her, her son fought at the bottle battle of hoth and actually died there and got like a message out to her and all that fun stuff so this this is um this is kind of being pulled from legends and now recanonized so that I, that's always a pretty cool thing to happen for us star wars fans so even though she's a shithead and i'm ex- i hope my daughter doesn't end up like her uh, lida has existed in in legends uh previously so you, you gotta like when they kind of pull things through like the, like the Radicans, all that fun stuff. Cause that, you know, that that's Disney tipping their hat saying, Hey, you know what? We, we hear you people. You're a little impatient. We understand the lore out there and the, and the properties we have to tap into. We'll tap into them in these ways, very, you know, light references that does open up potential for more recanonization of old legends material. Yeah. Um, but she's a scumbag. Do you, I, I honestly think uh, Mothma just wanted to take her to school. I honestly think that's all it was. Yeah, I, no, I mean, I, it, I, it, I, it was nothing big. Her, her mom just wanted to drop her off and Lion's like, fuck you. You're just using this as like a public event. <laughs> and parents sitting over there like a lump on a log. Te- like, teenage <laughs> kids. That's something that oh you'll have God. to look forward to in about 10 years. Uh, <laughs> so. Dude. I am uh, not looking forward to because literally, and you know, things will change. People get relocated. But in my court right now, there's five little girls separated by two to three years. So it, it's going to go in stages. It's going to be like a cascade of hormones yeah. and hate. Once the first one hits her hormones and goes through adolescence, she's not going to want anything to do with the little ones. They're going to take that personally, and they probably won't talk to each other for years until they all, like we all had to, probably in our 20s, realize like, oh, yeah, hey, parents are people too. They're just like me, and they just they just decided to have me and ruin their lives and stuff like that. Yeah. So, uh, But no, you're, you're right. I'm... 
there's not a day that goes by where I'm not counting down to the to these these moments here and uh, knowing myself, I'll probably be like Perrin, just sit there and be like, yep, whatever you want, little kid, just as long as you keep loving me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, you know, that daddy has definitely caused some behavior problems in little Charlie because she's a princess and it's very hard for uh, the, the emperor here to to be mean to her, but it happens. <laughs> got to do what you got to do. What, what I do know, Nick, is where I think I've done some things right. I've gotten to the point now where I can just look at her and be like, you know what? You really disappoint me. And you could see. Oh, she gets the sads. It, it, it's like a soul crush. You can see it's like, oh man, I, I did fuck up. He is kind of upset. Yeah. You know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) I still feel bad. That's the thing, man. I'm telling you, any any of you dudes out there that have daughters, you know exactly what I'm talking about. They they can pretty much do whatever the fuck. And we're just like, you got it, my princess. What what else do you need? Do you want to like have me lay across hot coals for you so you can walk across my body as it burns? Have at it. Okay. And yes, uh, Tones is already calling this out in the live stream chat. Uh, I'm, um, I'm not on that image yet, but we'll, we'll get there with Cyril and his collecting habits. But uh, back to Miro's lone scene here. We get all sorts of drops. And, and if you listened, the dude is mentioning perceived rebel activity on Kessel. What do you think that was he's talking about? Did you guys ever watch a movie called Solo? I don't know. I've never heard of it. I heard that it was pretty bad, especially after you know, <laughs> TLJ. I wasn't going to watch it. I, dude, see, <laughs> I, I love that. I mean, it's it's a fucking throw throwaway line, really. He's just like, you know, you're right. There's been rebel. There's been this on Kessel, this on Fondor, this on Jakku, and this on Hosni and Prime. And you're like, Bing Bang, Biggity Boom. We we've heard these and. I, they didn't say it. I'm saying it right now. The Kessel 100% was the Coaxium mission because guess who got the Coaxium in the end? A rebel yep. cell led by Emphis Nest. Uh, the, the Fondor thing could very well point to some book events. I, I forget the name of the book, but I, I talked about it last week because uh, when, I, when I first introduced the Fondor reference, I gave you some backstory. Uh, the Jakku thing, I, I don't know if that's tied to anything in particular, but we know what Jakku becomes to this franchise. And then obviously Hosni and Prime becomes the seat of the, the New Republic. But it, it was the Kessel line. I was like, yeah, Tony, I know what you're doing there, buddy. I know you hate doing this <laughs> shit. And I know it was your brother that wrote it in. That's probably why it made it to the final cut. But that Kessel mission was definitely in reference to Solo, Lando, the Baca. And uh, Kira's heist. That's right. To get that coaxium. Right. Um, but yeah, that was a that was a fun little reference there. Uh, but yeah, I mean, and the last one here is this just uh, some collecting stuff, like you said in the background of Cyril's. Oh, room? dude. I mean, when it, they they didn't even focus on it, and I was like, that motherfucker's got hot toys, <laughs> just like Tones is saying here. It's like, and and sure as shit that those have to be one six scale clone figures, and I believe they're phase one clones. Uh, at least that's what I'm sticking to because you can slightly see the fin a bit on on the standing clone behind him as he sits there and considers masturbating mm-hmm. over the image of young Cassian. Uh, so as a collector, you know, I always I, I like seeing you know, that. Like, hey, you look, know, the fucking he's got Empire that. did that, too. Like as soon as the Empire was established, they started putting out figures. They were like, support the troops <laughs> yeah. today, you know. Get right. your, it's like it's like a war yeah, bond drive. Yeah. Instead of selling bonds, they're selling, they're selling figures oh. to assholes like me. 
Oh uh, man, I had a, I had a weak moment last week with figures. I was I forget who got announced. I, I hit up Sideshow and was reminded that I still haven't pre-ordered a bunch I thought I was and whatever was in my mind last week, I was like, you know what? Today's the day. So I was like, pre-order, 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 pre-order. And now we're at least a thousand dollars in future commitments to more toys. So I have not been able to shake the hot toy stuff, but the black series stuff is definitely almost dead at this point and i'm okay with it i, I just enough's enough right nick enough's yeah. enough <laughs> i would say so okay did i get all my questions we talked about clay we talked about mothma skeen vel and cinta and uncle harlow i think we nailed it one last point that tones made and tones i was literally just thinking this before i flicked off the image if you're on the live stream we're looking at miro's aid and i do agree with tones this could very well be, and I know it's not, but this looks like Tarkin's bastard. It right? kind of does. Like this like dude, Tarkin. this dude looks like a young yeah, Tarkin. Yeah, okay. Does. I'm telling he definitely you. Definitely does. <laughs> Good call there. All right. All right. So that is, uh, that's kind of our deep dive review. Well, our review and deep dive breakdown of Andor episode five, the ax forgets. So real quick, Nick, Let's hear your thoughts. What what happens tomorrow in episode six? What where the general tomorrow beats? in episode six? I mean, it's got to be. I think that we're going to be almost completely focused on Luthen and the crew. That's where I think that we're going to be going. Um, you're gonna kind. Of, you're probably going to cut between Luthen monitoring like he was trying to do last night or in this last episode. And then you're going to switch over to the action that's happening on the ground. I don't know. So I think what's likely to happen is we're going to get the, the mission in, in its entirety. We may get an extended episode. So this may be like a 42-ish minute episode instead of like the 35 to 36 that we're used to seeing. Um, we're going to get cuts between the group and Luthen. And then... It's probably going to end before an Imperial response. And by Imperial response, I don't mean like the people that are actually in the base. I mean that like the people who are, uh, you know, like the superstructure, the ISB. The fallout, yes, essentially. The fallout from it. Yeah. So there's almost assuredly going to be multiple things that go wrong. We're going to see deaths. I'm saying that we could see, I think that Skeen is is up for, for getting killed. I think that Gorn, Lieutenant Gorn is almost assuredly dead. Um, there's, in fact, I would like take it to the bank that Lieutenant Gorn is going to die because just the reason that he is doing this, um, is because he lost a loved one. Yeah. And, and, and and he's probably, I mean, obviously no one's planning on dying, but he's probably going to have to almost suicide himself to save the mission. Like, like shit's going to go so sideways that Gorn is going to have to go off his script and sacrifice himself. Good call. I think he's dead. Um, the, the others are hard. The others are hard to nail down. I could see Vel dying. I could see Vel dying because Vel is the one that you've essentially gone like grown closest to. And because Vel dies, like I, th- I feel like if Vel lives, then Vel stays the leader of whatever the group is remaining in Luthen's eyes. If Vel dies, then you're in a position to where like, who do I name the leader? And that's when you bring, that's when Cassian comes back in. Like Cassian is now like proven himself True. because against all odds, he made the mission happen. 
to whatever level of success it happens, it happens. And it was because of Cassian. And then he gets kind of bumped up in the rankings in Luthen's eyes. If Vel is still there, I think that it's, it's squirrely on whether Cassian becomes kind of like a, a, one of the new leaders within the rebellion. Um, so I think that she's open to die. So I think that you have at least three deaths. I think that Skeen, Gorn, Nemec is, is probably one as well. And then you have a potential fourth with Vel. So, um, that's, that's my, my thoughts on the episode there. All right. So my, my death count's going to be a little lower than yours, but in terms of the general beats, yeah, I, th- I think we're spot on. I mean, we, I think uh, you're they're, they're going to have to touch on Cyril and Miro. Yeah. Okay. Cause there are two other threads, uh, but the, the, the meat of the episode is going to be the mission. Just like tones is saying in the chat, you're going to get your action for this three episode arc. This is going to be the big payoff for those that get a little impatient. So don't worry. You're going to get plenty of pew pews. We already know we're going to get some crazy looking space laser light show. So your eyes are going to be dazzled. But for people that kind of like their brains to be dazzled, uh, I think those scenes are going to come from Coruscant. Yeah. The serial Miro threads and then Luthen. Now, in terms of the death, I I, I think Skeen's toast, Tamron's toast, Nemec's toast, Sinta's toast. I'm almost positive, Nick, we've seen Vel speaking with Mothma in the trailer. So, th- so that's the only thing I'm going on with. I-, I do think she makes it out, but I think she's the only one that makes it out with Cassian. But here, here's my why I think she ends up with Mothma. I think things go so fucking sideways that Luthen has to come in and rescue them. And, and it might not be this episode, but we've also seen a space shootout with Luthen's ship and a Star Destroyer or a huge cruiser. I could see that maybe being episode seven and that's their escape from the empire. And that's how Vel ends up talking to Mothma on Coruscant. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I do think Vel makes it out, but I think things are so screwed that Luthen is going to, again, like we learned and I forgot to bring it up in, in episode five, he broke protocol with Cassian. I don't know if anyone picked up on that. That that's one of the reasons he's so nervous. I think he he broke his own policies and protocols when he recruited Cassian. He even said, "I wanted it too much," like he wasn't thinking the way he usually has been thinking with his rebel cells when it came to Cassian. And I think ultimately he's going to hear something over the his comm or whatever he's monitoring, and he's going to have to head out and uh, be the savior for Vel and Cassian at the end. Uh, In in terms, I'm with Nick, though. I don't think we see any major reprisal outside of local Empire until Episode 7. And even their escape from Aldhani, like their true escape, off-planet escape, may not take place until Episode 7 as well. But I, I do think... That scene we've seen in the trailers with uh, the Luthen's kick-ass Fondor cruiser in a dogfight is going to stem from this mission in particular. Yeah, yeah I think that's a good call too. So, um, yeah, I mean, this is so. This episode that's coming out on Wednesday is going to be the culmination of this three-episode arc. Just so everybody's like aware, so. After this, we're going to be moving into another, like the third three episode Correct. grouping of 
episodes. So, um, that that'll be yeah, it, it will be the third, and then after that, we're already going to be in be, the home yeah, stretch. So I, I, I know it, it is crazy. I mean, it's like we're all old. We get it. Time goes very fast now, but it, it just like it only increases. I, I can imagine. You know, Tones is in his 50s. The time is even faster for him than me in my my 40s now. It's just, it, it is wild how fast shit goes. Like, I, I, I live in semesters because of my job, and we're already almost yeah. at midterms, and that's fucking crazy because that means I got eight more weeks to go, and I get four <laughs> weeks off, so... Uh, but yeah, I mean, Andor is, it's, we're, we're going to be done with the first half tomorrow, which is wild to think. I mean, that you, you get that, that's kind of the bonus you get with that three episode drop, uh, to kick things off, but, uh, Nick's correct. So just prepare yourself for not, not this week, episode six, but episode seven, we're going to be back to setting up a whole new adventure that will then probably have a slower episode in eight, and then you'll get the payoff in nine. So just get used to the cadence. That's how it's supposed to be. This is truly, like like I said about Rings of Power, this is definitely a show that you're going to want to rewatch because then you're going to be, be able to let all these three-episode arcs flow into each other, and that's where you're really going to see the magic of, of Tony's uh, writing and just how he yeah. structured the show. I, I, I do think these three-episode arcs are a good way to tell the type of story he's yeah, telling. Yeah, I mean, I think that... There's not a lot of shows that I would prefer a full drop instead of an episodic release. I do feel like these two could have benefited from a full drop. Like, oh, yeah. From, yeah. Like the two talking about Rings of Power and Andor. Specifically, Rings of Power, because it's been such a slow build. It's been such a slow build. And if you had time, True. if you just had all eight episodes in front of you, the, the build is as slow as you want it to be. Like you could power through the first right. three episodes and be like, all right, got a good baseline now. And then you can kind of watch the rest of them. But this one too, I think that like, if it was a full drop, you wouldn't have as much seeming blowback to how slow things are progressing because then you could see the ebbs and flows and like the action and the movement based off of like the arcs as they um, not as they come out, but as the, as you watch through them in sequence. So, um, yeah, no, you're, you're right. I mean, Andor is unlike, and he told us, I don't know why anyone's surprised, but it's unlike anything that has come out on Disney plus to date. Mando book, uh, the, the, they've all been, they have o overarching plots, but for the most part, and, and you could argue in Andor, it, it has self-resolving episodes too. I mean, Stuff happened in episode five. We moved goalposts in episode five. That's why. That's why I'm telling you, they're, fillers. It's bullshit. That that's like for people that have cardboard <laughs> in their head. Like there's no filler there. That episode itself, even though there was no action, it it still had a a, a self-contained plot. Cassian went from not knowing shit or not really caring about any of these people and vice versa to now they all know each other. They know their stakes. They know why they're all in it. That's yeah. plot development. Okay. That's something happened, but it's not as direct as like a Mandalorian where you're literally like, Hey, I need, I'm on this planet. I'm getting attacked by this spider. I need to kill it. Okay. Victory. Let's move on to the next episode. You're not going to get that in Andor. Uh, you're only going to get that by watching the three episodes in a row. You'll get a full story told, but I kind of dig it. But you're not wrong. Th this show, uh, they made a good call 
who knows why they needed to delay it, but the fact that, but the decision to air the first three, that was smart because I think if they didn't, you would have already had the, the filler types bitching and moaning after the first two episodes. Yeah. That's, Nothing happened. That, that was, was like asleep. my, I don't really have <laughs> thoughts. I mean, that's, that's what, when I read that shit, I'm like, do you even think though? Like, Oh, trying to think yeah. but nothing happens you know what i'm saying like three yeah i mean that's shit, that's so. why i said right up front i was like if they didn't do a a drop of all the episodes at uh, all three episodes people would have quickly turned on it oh yeah yeah it, it would have been book of yeah. boba fett type of shit like they would have went to everything because that, that's what happens like th- this crowd of the fandom once they find one thing to bitch about then th- they start peeling layers of the onion off well, like, did you see that I could see the horizon. I could see the volume screen. I could see a coffee cup. It's like, okay, you know, they, they just, they, they completely yeah, they, leave the world immersion and just start looking at it as a fake TV show, which it is, but you need to allow your brain to have, to, to imagine, to pretend. Okay. Even as old people, pretend. you can still do it. I promise you the shit's not real. So just take it as that. One last thing, and we'll move on from Andor. I like this uh, thought from one six shooter here in the chat. Uh, Vel Luthen's daughter, or related to Luthen, based on their interaction. It's hard to tell because we haven't seen Luthen interact with other people, or True. many other people. What I will say is that he treated Mothma the same way he treated Vel, where he's like. I know what I need from you. You're going to do what I tell you. And this is how this goes. So I like Agreed. based off of the inner, at least the interactions that we've seen between him and Mothma and him and Val, it doesn't seem like there's any sort of favoritism or, or difference in the way that he acts around her. I, I just, I mean, I kind of see where Trevor's coming from because their discussion in episode four did, it, it, it did feel more like, it did feel more familial than just superior to sub- subordinate, at least to me. It, it, it felt a little more personal. Good, and that yeah. could have just been the stakes. That could have just been the stakes. They're clearly high. But I don't know. You just sense like Val, she knew she, she, she couldn't change his mind or get anything over on him because that's her whatever or that's she's related yeah, to him. Yeah, it's but possible. I don't know. I, 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 don't, I don't completely discount the idea. I'm sticking with, I think the reason she ultimately ends up on Coruscant talking with Mothma, if I'm not seeing things again, or just making up Star Wars in my head as we go, is going to be because they're, they're going to need an out. Like, how the fuck are they getting off Aldhani? They, they don't have spaceships. I mean, Luthen, someone's going to have to come get them. So I think he's the guy, and, and it's not going to be what probably was the plan pickup, the nice casual one. It's probably going to be like, jump in, you motherfuckers! <laughs> barrel roll, barrel roll, barrel roll. you know we're, we're we're doing the spinny things and you know channeling anakin skywalker so uh I, I guess we'll find out but like i said i i don't i'm with nick I, I don't think we see the 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 full scope of of the outcome of this mission until episode seven but i am hoping that cassian and i do think vel we at least get to the point where we know that they've made it out of the mission it was a successful failure, but their hides need saved immediately, and Luthen is the guy to do yeah, it. Yeah, I think that that's a pretty safe bet. So, 
um, whether they get off, like, again, like it's, it's hard, like they have to get, like, I will say they, they have to get off in this episode. Like there's no way that this episode ends and they're not off of Aldani. I'll put it that way. Like they, they, like, cause then it wouldn't flow into the next three episodes. Like the three episode kind of junction point would be weird. But yeah, I do think that it's going to be a stressful exit. You may see some stuff happening like we saw in Rogue One where people are going down as the as you think you're about to leave. Like, you know, the, the classic scene of everybody fucking running to the ship and somebody gets shot in the back or some shit. Like, I think some stuff like that. that that'll be Nemec. I, I do think Nemec's will be the most felt death. It'll be the most poignant where he, he's like, see... The rebellion and he is like his head yeah. explodes. <laughs> you know? like, so, like he gets fucking shot right at the end. Like Nami, he's he's all happy. Like we're gonna do, it, we're gonna do, it. and then blah, he gets fucking zapped. See you later. <laughs> See you later, dickhead. It, it'll kind of be like I won't say because I'm sure people haven't watched it, but it'll, it'll be. I want it to kind of be like the scene that happens in the most recent episode of House of Dragon in the Red Keep. I'll leave it at that. It's between. Two two main characters from opposing families, and so one character just kind of takes charge. I would like to see that happen to Nemec, a, a, a death like that. All right, okay, so we're putting Andor to bed. You've heard our thoughts on five, and you you've you've heard our thoughts on where we think six is going to go, and we'll all find out. And well, hell, for some of us, less than twelve hours. You know, I don't I don't quite get up at three a.m. to see it right when it drops on the East Coast, but. I'll probably be tossing and turning around 4.30, 4 5 o'clock. I just can't help myself. Okay, so we got one little thing to get into, Nick, before we uh, kick off this week's fan segment. Everyone loves the fan segment, right? We're still, we're, we're doing all right on time. I, I do have to get out of here probably right about 5 o'clock. And, and this, honestly, if you're on the live stream, you see the topic. It's in view now. But the whole Lars Milkinson, Mickelson, not to be confused with Phil, yep. Uh, playing live action Thrawn and Ahsoka is getting new life this week. Okay. It's uh, uh, people are kicking the tires on it again. I know Nick and I, we we've talked about this in the past. Lars has been rumored alongside uh, Benedict, that, that Mike guy, forget his last name, Magneto. What the fuck's his name? Oh, uh, Fassbender. Some other people. Michael Fassbender. Yeah. Fassbender. There, there you go. You know, whoever, just all sorts of people have been, oh, that's going to be live action Thrawn. That's going to be live action Thrawn. Lars has always been in the mix. And uh, I don't know if it's fan casting or I mean, what. He's the voice actor. So uh, because a lot of people. Yes. Yeah. And, and that's what I'm getting at. And, and so far, no other voice actor has made the transition to live action outside of Katie. Um, all it, it, well, that's from Clone Wars. I'm talking from Rebels. No, no Rebels character has been has made the crossover from their voice actor to live action. So that would be a first for Lars if that's the case. But Lars, like I said, is back in the mix, uh, along with every other famous white male, as I said in the write-up here. Seems to have been rumored to be playing live action Thrawn in the Ahsoka series. Uh, But this uh, new update comes from Christopher Mark, who I've learned runs this place called the Ronin. Uh, I wouldn't call him a full-on poo-flinger shit, shit starter just pulling stuff out of his his butt type of guy uh, but this is definitely grain of salt all right so everyone go ahead and and grain it up throw it over your shoulders do whatever you got to do 
But the reason I was kind of like, you know what, we'll, we'll talk about this. Jordan Mason, who is a, an established Star Wars leaker and who, who has hit on certain big leaks, kind of comes in and, and corroborates this. So Christopher tweeted out like, hey, looks like Ahsoka is definitely going with Lars. Mason comes in and says, there you go. Like I said, kind of putting the, his stamp yeah, on I it. I mean, it, this makes Ma- the most Mar- sense to me. Go ahead. Like it's... Yeah, I think I think I think look wise he yeah. could pass. I mean, you know these people that, that have a hard time understanding that animation uh, is especially in Star Wars is different than yeah. live action. Like they're probably like, oh, his head's not. Yeah. He doesn't long have a four foot tall his head. Eye, his, like, his forehead's like not no big shit. enough. Yeah, his look, his eyebrows aren't like Cro Magnum. He can't be the guy. I, I I think with some prosthetics and some blue paint and some red eyes, Lars would make a great yeah. live action Thrawn, and he's already got the yeah. fucking voice. So, you know what the hell is Lucasfilm yeah, waiting on, right, I mean, Nick? Like just just one, reveal it. Lars Mickelson is going to be infinitely cheaper than either Benedict Cumberbatch or Michael Fassbender. Like not Fuck even yeah, close, dude. I mean, Lars Lars is a, he has a career, yeah. but he's a, he's a character. Yeah, he's actor. a character he's not actor. A star. Whereas like you know. You may be able to get a discount off of Cumberbatch because he's in the family. <laughs> Look at Sir Dork in all caps. He's, he's not, not even, even blue. blue. How is this? <laughs> <laughs> you, but yeah. you know that's that's going to be but, the uh, reaction. You and know, then you have Fastbender. Fastbender is a, a big name star. He's gonna he's gonna command a price. But the, like you said, he's already the voice. He already like if I'm looking at these two pictures next to each other, and we've looked at two pictures of Mickelson next to Thrawn before. This is pretty fucking close. He's got the sunken cheeks. He's got a very like similar hairline. He's got yeah, prominent, prominent forehead. forehead. He's got the like a jawline that's pretty fucking close. Like oh yeah. You don't have to do much to this dude to make him look like Thrawn and like I then agree. you get the added benefit of just not having to do anything with the voice where like people when you cast Ahsoka they're like it's not Ashley Eckstein's voice and all this other shit it's like look either like be happy with what you get like you know and I think that Lars Mickelson is honestly the best choice for this for this role like there I don't think that there was anybody who was gonna do it better yeah I I I do I'm at this point let's go ahead we're gonna we're gonna speak this into existence Lars is (laughs) Lars mm, is Thrawn. Mm, Go mm, ahead, all you listening. Lars mm, is mm, Thrawn. Mm. <laughs> Lars is Thrawn. Okay, we did it enough. It's going to happen now. Um, it just, to me, it seems like a no-brainer. I'm not quite sure why Lucasfilm is holding the official casting of the series so close to its vest. I, I, I don't get it. Like I understand why they revealed Sabine, because Sabine and Ahsoka, we last saw them leaving together. So if it's a show about Ahsoka... You might as well have Sabine in it, but I understand hiding Ezra. I understand hiding Hera and all that stuff. But why the f- why are we fucking around with Thrawn? The guy has been established in the Mandoverse since what 2020. Like, what what's the big secret, Disney? We 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 know you have plans to have live action Thrawn. Just announce the fucking yeah. actor already. I yeah, I don't I don't get why they do that. Like, I don't understand. Especially like. For bigger actors, like if you're going to say like, oh, we're going to get fucking, you know, The Rock is going to join Star Wars, like fine. Yeah. <laughs> the Rock is strong. Like, fine, hold it. <laughs> they come out like, oh, <laughs> I'm a people's elbow you. Like you get Termana. 
What's a Zoa Energy? Oh, you yeah. just be cutting promos left <laughs> but if and you're right. Gonna, if it's a huge name like that, then yeah, fine, hold it. But if it's like we're announcing that the actor who already plays Thrawn is going to play Thrawn, then like, what's the fucking point? <laughs> like, well, I don't know. I don't understand what all the secrecy is. I, I just, I don't get it. Like, Bat's saying they want us to be surprised. Like, are we going to be surprised based on who's playing a character or the fact that the character's in yeah. a show? We know the character's going to be in the show. So I, I don't get why we're hiding the the actor. I get why you're hiding Ezra. Yeah. Okay. He hasn't been mentioned. He hasn't been talked about. Same with Hera. Go ahead. Hide them all you want because you want us to think that you're not going to touch on the Star Wars Rebels, even though this is a direct continuation of Star Wars Rebels. But Thrawn is an established character in the Mandoverse. His name has been spoken. It's not bullshit. He's back. He's doing stuff. He's got Morgan Elsbeth's of the world out there fucking up planets for something. So just announce the goddamn actor already. But, you know, I guess they they, they want to keep uh, keep us on edge here. Keep us yeah. guessing. You know, are, are they really going to show Thrawn, even though he's been established as Ahsoka's main goal at this point in time? I don't get it, but whatever. That's why we talk about Star Wars in basements. <laughs> and people at Lucasfilm create Star Wars for us to talk about. So we don't know shit. Uh, a few other things that this Mark guy was peddling that I, I'm just like, hey, whatever, dude. Uh, apparently we're going to see some Zabrek troopers in Ahsoka. And they're going to have uh, white and burgundy armor or uniform. Zabriks would be Maul's people. Indeed. Okay? Horns maybe may or may not have face tattoos. And, and here's the other one. This is where I start to lose faith in this guy. No idea if Rex is going to make the final cut of the show, but there seems to be plans to have him at least appear. At this okay, so point. Your statement, your statement contradicts itself first and foremost. And yes, Rex is another one that, like the Rebels, it just kind of lines yeah. up. So there you go. Lars is back in also, at the at, fan casting At some movement. point, if they put Rex into this show, like they're going to have to address that like, yeah, maybe Rex just ages normally. Because by all logic, that motherfucker should be dead. By If he still has accelerated aging. I think we, I know we, we did the math at some point. I, I think we put him in his 60s. In the Mandoverse, based on his where he was when he uh, when the Clone Wars yeah, I mean, ended, we saw. I mean, um, but but yeah, I mean, he, he's he's like geriatric. We, yeah, for I was sure. say, we saw him in fucking ROTJ. He's old as fuck. Got that long gray beard, all gray hair. Like he was, he was thin. If you add accelerated aging plus another another seven to eight years to that, dude would be like in a wheelchair, like. At the very hey, it's least. All right. well, well, maybe that's why Christopher's maybe saying, you know, we're going to see him. I don't know if he's going to do shit because he's going to be yeah. in like a Professor X yeah. hover wheelchair hanging out on the ghost. Yeah, it's so. like, I know that we want to keep Rex along for as long as possible, but he's got to die at some point. <laughs> uh, so, so there you go. I, I really do hope Lars is, yep. is the guy. As Nick said, he, he already has his cadence down. It, it would be a very similar... Uh, thing that that happened with Katie Sackhoff and Bo-Katan it just if the shoe fits whatever right whatever that fucking saying is okay so let's get into the fan segment might have to speed this one up we got about 20 minutes to go here everyone loves the Star Wars time show fan segment because we're the only 
unwatched Star Wars fan podcast that actually dedicates time to its fans to get them involved, to hear their thoughts versus just our hot air coming out all the time. You know, one of these days, maybe I'll figure out the I know there's a discord thing where we could actually get call ins onto the show, uh, but I'll save that for a day where I feel like exploring (laughs) technology, which is something I fucking hate to do at this point in my life. So it may never happen. But either way, we got two ways to get involved in the fan segment. First up is the question of the week. I actually posted it on Monday night this week to our Instagram at Star Wars Time Show, both in the stories and the feed. You just got to find it because Instagram hides shit if you don't follow us and make sure you turn on our notifications and you reply. And based on your reply, you may make the cut and we'll talk about them. We'll read them. We might critique your grammar. We might disagree with you or we might agree with you. But that's question of the week. So, Nick, our question this week was. It was, what was your favorite or least part or least from part from the latest episode of Andor, a.k.a. episode (laughs) five? (laughs) Yeah. So I even I even fucked up the question. What was your favorite or least from part from the latest episode of Andor, (laughs) a.k.a. episode five? (laughs) Oh, shit. I sound just like people to comment on the question of the week. I love it. Uh, you guys have finally uh, channeled that grammar to me. That was a perfect read by Nick. I'm glad he read the question. <laughs> there we go. Because <laughs> this is my favorite part of the show is, is hearing Nick try to pronounce people's word vomit. And it's usually not for me. So thank you, Nick. All right. Up first, first up who do is Mansell472. He says, in enjoying Andor, <laughs> I like the fact that... It- <laughs> Hey, what's your favorite part of the plot? <laughs> I like the fact that it's story building rather than, oh, here's a new planet, fight, hero, welcome, then fly off to repeat for the next episode. The story building <laughs> and character building are all worth the slow burn. Uh, um, I hey, hey, there you man. It sounds like Mansell's over the Mandoverse yeah, like he's, formula. He's liking huh? the, the cadence of Andor and liking the slow burn a little bit more. I will say that... <laughs> Mansell has a very interesting way of composing sentences because he puts his he puts a space before every punctuation mark. So yeah, that kind that of is, that, that I, I don't know what the hell that is or what form of English that is, but we'll, we'll take yes, it. Mansell, we speak your name. Thank Next you. up, Baron's Black Series says, "I can't remember the big Imperial guy's name, but I enjoyed that as they prepared for the mission." The Imp- Gorn, yes. Gorn, damn it, Lieutenant Spencer. Gorn. Which show you the watch? Imperial helping Val's team walks around talking to people, and you can see how much he cares for his men and people, but at the same time doesn't care at all about the Empire itself and wants revenge on them for the lose of his love. Uh, <laughs> it shows that the Empire <laughs> might be bad, but not all people in the Empire are. They are just everyday, uh, everyday Joe's doing their job. Just as Luke almost joined the Academy, like we were talking about earlier, Luke almost joined the Imperial Academy. Um, thank you, Spencer. The, 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 the lose of his, of his love. Scion uh, yes. XC says, holy <laughs> shit, Matt posted the question of the week on a Monday night. What? <laughs> yeah. Like an asshole. Like, yeah, and, says, and what kind of like asshole would I be if I didn't chime in on this one? <laughs> Uh, even though the episode moved at a slow pace with less action scenes compared to the previous episodes, it had its purpose as more than just filler. We got more character development that got us to be a little more invested into a majority of the characters we know die or are probably dead before the start of the original trilogy. 
So yeah, I think that that's something that we addressed too. It's like, we know that most of the people in this show that we're seeing are toast, but you have to build stakes yeah. for them. I'd say all but all but Mon and Cassian are probably making it out of Andor season one and yeah. two. So um, a little bit of a different tone here from Philip HRO on Instagram. He says, I enjoy to watch it, but it's boring AF. All Andor, all Andor episodes are boring AF. Um, so, well, I guess, I don't know. I mean, I guess Philip likes watching boring as fuck stuff because he still, or they still enjoy watching it and that's, dude, that's okay. The, yeah. I mean, like if something's boring, that means you can just divert your attention from it and you have it on in the background or whatever. Waltman 1987 also kind of feels the same. He says all for story and character building, but F5 was a waste of life. <laughs> I am watching for sci-fi action, not drama. So love people i mean like there were a couple other responses and they were also like one of them was just one word boring one of them i also think was uh not a positive comment (laughs) Uh, i just love a waste of life i mean i don't know like what do these people get into throughout the day i mean it's like 30 minutes of fake science stuff and it's it gets them that upset but that's why we love the question of the week so Make sure to keep your eyes peeled for next week's question, which I will hopefully word better. Uh, but I, I did like Nick's delivery of what was your favorite or least from part from the latest episode of Andor, a.k.a. Episode 5. Beautiful stuff there by the Star Wars Time Show staff. So thank you. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Nick, let's get into the next avenue of the fan segment here the the next the next route the next path that fans can take to get involved and that is our top five star wars fan artist features of the week throughout the week on instagram at this point you literally have to say add tag star wars time show and use hashtag star wars time show if you just add us in your comments the shit doesn't work ig these days it's 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 a bitch okay it is our reach is dead your reach is dead. Everyone's reach is dead. So we need to let each other know that we're still here. So please add tag Star Wars Time Show and use hashtag Star Wars Time Show. Then every morning, I will kind of dish out and share some features. And then on Monday night, after he's had a few cigars and maybe a drink, Nick will mm-hmm. pick the top five for the week, which he has done for us, covering 10-3 to 10-10. So who is up first, up my friend? first is... One of our good buddies, one of the the fans, one of our wrenches. Uh, this is at super underscore scoundrel with an absolutely beautiful take on Casa from uh, what was it? Kalani, Korlani, whatever his Canari, Canari. his, his Canari. home planet. And I mean, uh, Devin always does just some fantastic uh, vector representations of Star Wars characters. A lot of the times, though. The characters that he's drawing have helmets on or they have like a whole bunch of gear on. So it's a really big change of pace to see Casa done in, in Devin's style. And I just love how, I mean, for lack of a better term, like incredibly detailed and realistic it looks. It's such a good portrayal. Yeah, of like that, that that wavy hair yeah. is wild. Like like how how Devin essentially is is creating a source of light to reflect off his hair to kind of give it that that feeling of, of waviness movement in fact uh, the other thing i noticed nick and i don't know if he did it on his other andor portrait series but he kind of added in some some schmutz you know what i mean like that like the like the paint yeah like the splatter 
Like, you know, just, just taking it like, like, you know, if we were talking real ass paint, he would just dip it in a bucket and go like, and just start whipping it out of canvas. I like it. You know, he's, he's, he's incorporating a new look for, for, uh, his, his art form here. The, the yeah, vector yeah. art, AKA who the fuck knows what that <laughs> even is, but we know we like the end result. I, I just know it's like a bunch of straight lines that Devin somehow turns into this still doesn't make sense to me, but that, that is why he is a wizard. All right. And we speak his name at super underscore scoundrel, check him out, give him a follow a fun dude to follow. If you are a star Wars fan and you actually like star Wars, like star Wars is important. (laughs) Yeah. If if you're a star Wars fan and you don't like star Wars, you probably don't want to follow super scoundrel because he does like Star Wars and he's That's positive right. about it. I know that rubs some of you the wrong way. <laughs> but yes, good stuff. At super underscore scoundrel. Always love to see his stuff. So make sure you give him hello. Next up is from at 97 underscore parsecs underscore photography. And we have an awesome shot here of Mr. Maul making his way out. And maybe you can give me some more context behind this. I can see that he's holding, uh, is this Kenobi's saber? Like he, so did he like, kill Kenobi, take his saber, and now he's making his way out from uh, from a rebel base? Yes. So uh, it's okay, Nick. To under- this is definitely a what-if shot. Yep. You picked up on that. This is at 97 Parsecs Photography, kind of dreaming what if Maul actually did beat Obi-Wan yes. on Tatooine. So that that's why you see this lovely Clone Wars Hot Toys Maul I even like that it, that uh, 97 kind of gave him a, a new outfit. Like th- like this mall, he just kind of busted his vest open. Just give him that, you know, it's his, his Tatooine chill look. <laughs> but you are right, Nick, and that that that's a sign of a good story being told through an image from at 97 Parsecs Photography, because that's exactly what it is. It's a what if Maul beats Kenobi, grabs the iconic Kenobi saver, and then starts fucking up the Empire on Tatooine. And it's just a cool little oh, action yeah, shot there. Um, and that's what 97 is known for. In fact, I was scrolling through the feed. There was another 97 parsecs photography shot up there. And I was like, can't double feature. I've never double featured. No double features. But this is the one that got picked. So make sure to go give them a follow at 97 underscore parsecs underscore photography. Hold on, Nick. We got a special Uh-oh. report Uh-oh. coming in from the field real quick here. Tones just dropped it in the chat. This comes from Scott Gustin, who tweets about Disney, Marvel, and all this sorts of shit. Apparently, Disney has released their latest Disney Studios motion picture release schedule. That at least, but I don't know. Yep. Blade delayed a year. Deadpool delayed a few months. Fantastic Four, a few months. Avengers Secret Wars is moving, what, six months? Untitled Marvel movie has been removed from the 26th, but why do we care, Nick? Well, we now have at, at least, least years for Untitled Star Wars. 2025, Untitled Star Wars. 2027, Untitled 2025 Star Wars. So it's official now, my friends. Uh, Star Wars movies have three, been pushed three. all the way back till 2025 at yeah, that, the that's earliest, so that is six uh, years. That's big. Six years between releases, yeah. right? Because 2019 was when Cross Crazy. came out, and yeah. so yep. six years. That's a long time. Wow, that's a long time. Wow, 
Wow. Wow. My God. And they're still untitled. Like Rogue Squadron dead. It's yeah, fucking man. gone. I'm going to be. It's gone. This almost confirms too, it. Like, I don't feel bad that that's gone. Like, I, I really, like, I'm trying to sit here yeah. and, and say, like, okay, well, am I upset by this? How do I feel about this? I'm just, I'm really unsure if Patty could have done well at this point. Like, it's painful. I mean, like, it's undoubtedly painful for me to know that, like, we're not going to get a Star Wars movie in theater for six years. But it almost, like, I'm almost kind of happy because they've gotten to the point to where they're like, hey, man, we legitimately just need to like figure it out. Like we need to sit down. We need to take time. We need to figure out what we want to do, how we want to do it, how we want to structure movies from now on. And and like, and then approach the theater with a, a solid plan in place. And I think that even though it's going to fucking suck, that it's probably the right move because the last thing that I wanted was them to throw out some piecemeal Rogue Squadron movie that was half baked and okay, and then throw out throw out some other unrelated film that was also okay, because that is what's ultimately going to lead to the downfall of Star Wars. But you know, yeah. Hey, they they figured out Avatar. It's definitely coming out this year, and three is supposed to come out in four twenty four, and then four I, the, is supposed to come out. The in Avatar thing, I've never understood it. Like, it, I, like I think that I I legitimately think that James Cameron sold his soul to somebody because dude, he's even he's even come out. He's like I he's like I have no clue if anyone's gonna go see it. He, he he's almost understanding that it's been so long since the first one that he doesn't. What's fucked? He doesn't even think it's gonna have the magic but behind what's it fucked anymore. Is that like? They re-released the regular Avatar to theaters, and it was the number one movie when it was it did over well, its right? release window. Yeah. And I was like, "This is yeah. fucking insane!" Like that movie was okay, but like I saw it once, and I, I was I loved, like, "I loved it when I I loved it when it came out." Yeah. For I don't know, maybe it was the three. It was like that perfected three D feel, yeah. but I, I liked the story. Anyways. Too bad this is a, a week I need to cut yeah. out because you know we, we have, have a whole other discussion we here. Gotta, but thank you for that <laughs> tones edit. That that's great news because honestly the big thing here and maybe I'll run with it at uh, tomorrow's Wednesday. There's no chance, but I guarantee you that this is a this is some good good short form content right here saying Rogue Squadron confirmed dead because the fact that it's not even listed on here that's it. This is official confirm confirmation. Rogue Squadron is toast. Yeah, no, I mean, and that we're not getting any Star Wars to twenty five. So real quick, let's get back to the top five at ninety seven Parsecs Photography. Dude is a beast. Check him out on Instagram. That is right. Up next is our boy at one six underscore yeah. shooter. New guy on the scene. Lovely, new guy on the scene. Yeah, he's, know, he's he's all right. He's starting he's to right. come into his own. We've been following his career closely. He seems. Seems to have a knack for this yeah. toy photography. Seems thing, pretty good at it so but far. But what we see from Trevor is <laughs> an awesome father-son shots between uh, Mr. Din Djarin and then his little his little baby, little Grogu. Uh, just a, a nice embrace, a nice moment where they both get to. It's it's the moment at the end of season two where Mando takes off his helmet. He gets to see Grogu with his own eyes for the first time and. Grogu gets to see his his papa's real face. It it was a, it's a beautiful moment captured beautifully it, by it just, Trevor. It, and the sculpt is great. And I actually reached out to Trevor. I'm, I'm like, dude, how much was that din head? 
because I, I want it. I, I have the hot toy, but it's just with the helmet. I, I do want uh, my boy Pedro's face. And my only option to get it now is either through a customizer, as 1.6 did, or just buy the $330 official hot toy that comes with a din head. So I asked Trevor, I'm like, dude, how much did that cost you? <laughs> do you want to take a guess how much that just the head cost Trevor? $45 just for the Oh my head. God, dude. You can tell Nick's not into customizing and collecting. <laughs> way way north of that. Shit. Let's just say it's it's worth as much as a hot toy itself, basically. Wow, really? Yeah. yeah. Damn. Uh, because, and really, it's the paint. And if you look at it, the paint's fucking perfect. I mean, it, it, that's better than hot toys, but um, I don't know, man. I, I was like, damn, Trevor, I might just buy the whole fucking figure at this point, knowing, knowing the price of the head. But fantastic shot, beautiful sculpt. And yeah, that's our boy at 16 underscore shooter. Always here supporting the show. So we speak his name. Thank you, Trevor. All right. Next up in the top five is at Hixel. And at Hixel put together a very detailed setup here with Boba Fett from... I love this, man. Yeah, it's it's like Boba Fett's hideout from the original trilogy. You can see wanted posters up there for uh, for uh, Han Cad Solo. You see Han. Cad Bane. Yeah, you see his father's helmet sitting there. Uh, on that's top the of- best part. That is the best part. All the yeah. shit in here. I, that, and you're right. It's it's not so much even Boba Fett. It's it's at Hixel built... Yeah, this this hideout and you got all the guns on the wall and the posters and the mugs and this and that. But his his father's helmet sitting there. Yeah. Kick ass. Even though I think technically he should be wearing his dad's helmet because I think he just painted his dad it it. himself. But it it still works. We get the point. You know, we get the homage to his father. Yeah. But beautiful stuff at Hixel on the IG. Top notch work. And Always then, fun setups from from Hixel for sure. Yeah, Hixel's been in the top five before, and it is mostly because of like his creativity, his attention to detail, and setups and stuff like that. So definitely go give them a follow on on IG. And then finally, close out the show. This is at Umbra Toy Photos, and I Fantastic. just thought that this was like a super cool shot showing mm-hmm. some bucket heads out in the field. These are Imperial Stormtroopers out in the field. The moon in the background is really cool. I know that this is probably like a digirama or something that he like put into the background of this shot, but I think that he did a great job of incorporating the background with the characters. Um, adds perfect amount of lighting, and I also like how the blue glow from the yep, uh, the hollow projector is, is reflecting off of the the main uh, stormtrooper's armor and stuff. So just a, yeah, a cool if, if Nick didn't pick up on that, that that's my favorite part of this image. Again, we, we have these troopers. It looks like they're they're kind of holding. They're in a holding pattern, waiting for, you know, a scout or someone over the hollow to be like, all right, let's go, move out. And it is. It's the glow of this dude's hollow recorder on his armor really sells the shot. But, you know, also the rain, the moon, it, just the, the, the posing of, of all the soldiers. It's just, hey, listen, I love the fucking Empire. They look great. They always look better than the Rebels. And when you get them all together in their nice white armor and different buckets, it just, it's pleasing to the eye. Yes, indeed. So at Umbra Toy Photos, make sure to give them a follow. That's the end of the top five and that's the end of the show. Matt, woo, it woo. is right on your time. So close us out. Woo, woo. <laughs> 
I need a soundboard so bad. Like someone, we, we need a Fred Norris on this show. I don't know how we figure that out, but I need it. Anyways, Nick is right. I got to head out of here soon. I'm actually returning to my place of work for the first time in almost three years to help some soon-to-be grads figure out what they want to do in life. Uh, I'll have to do this one more time during the Andor run, so I apologize. I know you guys hate when I leave early. But we're here. We got to go. And I just got to remind you, StarWarsTime.net. That is the URL. That is the domain. That's all you need to know to keep building up the SWTS army. We rely on you, okay? We don't advertise. We quit doing all that shit. We rely on you, the diehard fans of the show, to speak our name and spread the gospel of the SWTS to like-minded individuals. Look how much fun you all have in here. You all know each other from the Instagram, even if you don't. If you're a Star Wars fan, join in on the live stream every Tuesday, 2.30p, youtube.com slash Star Wars Time Show. The more, the merrier, I promise you. Relationships have been made thanks to the Star Wars Time Show, and they've also been burned <laughs> thanks to the Star Wars Time Show. So you never know what you're going to get. Tune in every week live on Tuesdays, Wednesdays on podcast platforms. StarWarsTime.net has all the links you need, all right? There's always time for Star Wars time, my friends. And don't forget, if you listen to the Star Wars time show, or these days just watch it, the Force will be with you always.